Welcome to Hunt Harvest Health, the podcast with your host, Ryan Lampers, a.k.a. The Stealthy Hunter. Howdy. And myself, Dr. Hillary Lampers, where we share our love for ancestral living and the health topics of the modern age. Ryan is the well-rounded bearded brawn of Hunt Harvest Health. His knowledge of backcountry adventure, western hunting, and our household status as garden guru and super dad really defines our gut stealthy lifestyle. And uh, Doc Hillary is definitely the brains and beauty behind all of this. She kind of makes everything happen as I have zero technical skills. Hill is just a wealth of knowledge in all things medicine and nutrition, which not only keep our family healthy, but they help me stay strong in all my mountain adventures. You can follow us at huntharvesthealth.com, Instagram, and Facebook for more podcasts, recipes, and stories. All right, let's do this. Howdy, folks. Welcome back. So what I thought would be fun this time of year And what I was really looking forward to as this season wound down was uh, just kind of getting together with folks that that have had time to get out and play this fall and spend some time in the woods and, and, um, you know, have some adventures. And I just really want to talk to guys that have stories, you know, whether it's success stories or whatever, um, you know, we all have, you come out of of a hunting season, you all got these stories and you want to tell them and share them with people. And, um, so I get to sit down with a buddy of mine, John Gabrio. John had a handful of tags this year, and he was really excited. I talked to him quite a bit before the season, and uh, he had just some phenomenal trips lined out. He had a goat hunt. He had a moose hunt with his father. Uh, as always, he has um, uh, his whitetail hunt. He's a great whitetail hunter. I mean, this guy has killed a lot of big bucks in uh the mountains of Washington, just mountain mountain whitetail uh, in our home state, and he's done really well at it over the years, and just had some great success. So, um, I was hoping to get you know kind of his thoughts on how his season progressed, and and he's just going to kind of go through it, and it's a fun conversation. You know, it's a long podcast. John is really good at telling stories, and and he goes in real detail, and he's really uh, you know in depth as far as um, explaining every step of the way, which is super cool. So it is a long podcast, but I think it's kind of, uh, it's valuable. You know, he, he kind of goes through, um, his goat hunt and, you know, how he got there and, and how that trip completely went, you know, progressed and, and how it ended. And so I think it's pretty fascinating, especially if anybody is looking at doing a hunt like that. Yeah, so we just uh, we just basically uh, shoot stories back and forth off each other, and and it was really fun for me to sit down with John and just hear his enthusiasm. I mean, he's got he's got a you know a lot of passion for for what he does, and you can tell he really gets into it. And um, so you know, hearing stories from guys like him is is really it's it's fun for me, and and hopefully it's uh, you know it's something that everybody can get into and and get something out of. But uh, yeah, so here we go. All right. Howdy, folks. Welcome back to the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast. Today, I am fortunate enough to be sitting down in the home of a Mr. John Gabriel. Uh, John, how you doing today? Good, man. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Wrapping up a hunting season, and it's tis the season to sit down and 
talk stories. <laughs> yes, it is. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of why I'm here. I, I wanted to uh, hear from a guy that's got a lot of stories, and you had some stories this year. I might have had a couple, but, <laughs> you know, not as many as you, just trying to keep up with you. That's what, that's uh, what everyone's trying to do nowadays, huh? I don't know. You had some epic adventures. You, you had some hunts that I'm still waiting to do. So, um, yeah, first off, why don't you introduce yourself? All right. Uh, yeah, my name is John Gabriel, and uh, I'm an owner of Apex Advertising, do a lot of design work for the outdoor industry and uh, websites, logos, and brochures and that type of thing. Um, I've been doing it for about eight years now, and uh, I've had the fortunate chance to work with Ryan himself and uh, a lot of guys like Phelps and Kefaru, Aaron, and Mountain Ops guys and, you know, that type of thing. So, uh, and some other good people with Elk 101, with Corey Jacobson, and... Um, you know Cameron Haynes and guys yeah. that really kind of help yeah our industry you've so. got your finger in a lot of things out there yeah for sure yeah so it's been great can't complain but you know I think the one thing I like most about it you know is just being able to deal with people that are like-minded and enjoy what I love to do which is hunt and that's kind of been my passion since I was a little kid so um you know it's it gives me the ability to do what I love and then at the same time get to go out and hunt and share stories and see guys like yourself climbing up the side of a mountain so you know i mean that uh that was kind of funny but yeah yeah that is funny um we'll get into that for sure um what about uh so where where'd you come from we're we're obviously here in washington my yep. home state um both washington guys but uh, yeah i was i was uh born and raised actually in auburn just right up the road close. here so yeah i was just kind of stayed around the area my whole life and then uh you know, it was one of those things that kind of considered to move in Montana or Idaho or something like that. But of course you got friends and family here and, you know, makes it kind of tough to, to leave. So yeah. I ended up buying a house here in Bonnie Lake now where I'm at, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Montana's still not out of the picture. I'd love to move over there someday, but how oh, we are like-minded then because, <laughs> yeah. uh, me and my wife are here as well, but we always talk about Montana, especially mm-hmm. when we've you know, fresh off of coming back from Montana, yeah. it's so hard to come back here and not want to, not want to just stay over there. Yeah. But, I know that that's my thing. It's like you go over there and it's like, man, I don't want to come back, you, you know, know. And just, I'd love to stay here and live here and just, yeah. but this is where the money is, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of the thing. It's, you know, got to go and chase the money and yeah. you know, everything else. So we hope someday you've made enough of it to uh, end up to retire over there. Exactly. Still with enough time to uh, climb those mountains and chase critters. <laughs> yeah, because they don't seem very small over there. They yeah. uh, they just get bigger as the years go by. Yeah, so. it's just, uh, yeah, it's an unbelievable country. Yep. Um, both of us were fortunate enough to hunt over there this year as well. So <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah, we met... Uh, we met a while back. I don't even remember where exactly we met, but I've seen you at some shoots, mm-hmm. uh, Mountain Challenge, and yep. um, yeah, we uh, kind of talked this year prior to, we both drew a Washington Spring Bear Tag, Yep. and so uh, we were kind of there at the same time. Yep. In fact, you saw me before I saw you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of funny. We had talked about you know when we were both going down there uh we were kind of going about the same weekend there to go and hike in and we'd kind of told each other where our game plan was of where we were both thinking about going so we didn't run into each other yeah and uh our plan was i went with nick schmidt there and his buddy cody uh shriver and uh we had planned to go up a little higher and hit the snow line and hike in and uh that all sounded fine and 
dandy until we got up there and the snow line was a lot further down than we thought it was. Yeah. So <laughs> the hike in got a lot longer, but, uh, especially with brand new boots, but, um, anyways, so then we came out and went down a little lower after we spent a day and a half in there and seen some bears and we were sitting on this ridge glassing and Nick looked across the ridge and was like, there's a guy sitting on a rock over there. And, you know, of course we're all throwing up our binos and spotters and everything and looking and at the time we didn't think about it, but here you are sitting on the rock and with your boots off yep. enjoying the sun. And so it was, it was hot out and I had same, I had a brand new pair of uh, leather boots. They were warm. Yeah. <laughs> I was taking them off on occasion just to keep my feet from uh, getting too sweaty. Yeah. But yeah, I was down in that hole, I guess. I, it's funny cause I, uh, I got a text. I didn't get good service there, but I know once I got to the top, I got a text from Nick. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, Nick. And he's like, I can't remember what the text said exactly. It was something like, uh, put your boots back on. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what? What's that? I don't even know what that's about. Yeah. But I was reading it and I had my boots off. Well, he was, you guys were glassing from across the way. I think, <clears throat> I think you guys didn't know who it was until you saw my, uh, my hippie hair. Yeah. Probably blowing yeah. in the wind. It was just luscious locks just yeah. blowing in the wind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Picturesque down there sitting on yeah. a rock. And I think put it together. That was, uh, that was me down there. Yeah. But that, that was funny. And then, uh, of course I'm paranoid. I got eyeballs up on the ridge watching me, mm-hmm. <laughs> watching my every move. I think, I think the dead giveaway for us was when you stood up and put your boots on and you went up the hill at about Mach five and we realized that there was no one else in the Northwest that could cover <laughs> so much ground. And we were like, that's gotta be Lampers. Um, so you know, that was funny. That was a, yeah, that was a big mountain, that country, man. I mean, that's some, that's some, not just steep, but the, the footing is bad. The rocks under the yellow grass. Oh Yeah. Gosh, that was, uh, yeah, ankle breakers, but yeah, steep mountains and just some of the coolest country you'll ever be in. And it's loaded with bears, fortunately. There, there are quite a few bears in there. I mean, you get in the right spot at the right time and it almost seems like you got to shoo them off. You know, it's just, oh, there's one, there's another. And it's kind of, you know, one of those things that you kind of, you're fortunate enough to be hunting in a good spot where you have to pick through a few, you know, to really kind of maybe find one that you'd like to harvest, you know, a big old boar. Yeah. Yeah. Something special. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the cool thing about it. You don't have to shoot the first one you see. Um, obviously that was a spring hunt. So it was just mostly getting on those peaks and those glassing spots and glassing them up, um, finding them, seeing if it was worth going after and and going for it. And hopefully you could get there before it gets dark. Yeah, exactly. Covering that much ground, it makes it a little tough to cross some of those draws and get up there. But um, yeah, so we kind of had that and then we left you, we went back home and I think you stayed for a few more days after that, didn't you? I did. Yeah. And then you ended up getting on or seeing, we, we had kind of both had intel of a big one that was running around in there. And there I, was an absolute monster yeah. right there. Just a, just a giant bear. And that's the one I had in my sight. So that's the one I wanted. I was going for specifically. So did, and you laid eyes on him. I did. Yeah. And never got the chance to pull. I never got the chance. By yeah. the time I got there, he was a long ways off. He just disappeared on me yeah. into the timber and never to be seen again, unfortunately. But no, I spent some days in that area. Just, uh, Hoping and praying yeah. that I was going to get that opportunity. It just never happened. <clears throat> you know, and that's part of hunting, I guess, you know. And it was kind of one of those things we had limped out of there a little because my feet were hurting pretty bad. But uh, we got out of there and went back home. And, you know, you stayed when you came back out. It, we 
I got in touch with you and kind of seen, you know, what you'd seen and you yeah. talked about that big bear. And, um, you know, it was kind of one of those things that uh, got me charged back up. I just wanted to go marching back down there, but was kind of hoping the snow would melt a little more so we could get for sure into some of that higher end stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, it yeah, seemed- we kind of came at it in different, different directions. I came from the bottom, mm-hmm. worked my way up and you guys were kind of starting at the top and working your way down yeah. those holes. Yeah. yeah. And it seemed like at the time, uh, you know, cause the season opens earlier, you know, in, in April and it seems like some of those gung ho guys, you know, they really get in the bottom and you know, they're doing really well on that bottom end. Yep. And then as the snow starts melting, those bears kind of follow that snow line up. And then, you know, that's, that was our thought. We were trying to get up higher to catch them moving up. Right. And, uh, but it was kind of weird. It was like, they were up there, but at the same time, there wasn't a lot of like green upper onions yet that were really popping. And we kind of had that like stall and it melting off. Yeah. And yeah, it, there was definitely a level there where the onions were. Yeah. It seemed like at that time it was like mid mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just piles of them and then uh, really just faded nothing up top. Yeah. And but, that's, that was kind of what we had ran into, you know, yeah. and so it had, that's why we decided to wait a few more weeks. And then we wanted to try the other end of the unit and come in from the other side to just figuring that no one had been over there because of the snow. And, uh, you know, so that was kind of when we had kind of talked a little bit, waited a couple weeks and we went back and then, uh, I actually went with a different guy, James Kyrus and, uh, Jim, and, uh, we had met and went in and had a plan, uh, to go out this ridge hiked and we drove in realized that a week before we got an intel from a guy uh that told us where the snow line was and it was kind of one of those things that okay well we're gonna try it but i don't know if we're gonna even be able to drive up to the top and so we kind of risked it and we're like well if we can't we'll just you know spend six hours and drive clear back around the other side of the unit and uh when we say six hours that's not an exaggeration because you got to go it's a long ways around. It, yeah, out and huge. around and down that gravel road for three hours. So yeah. it's it's a long ways. Um, and so we'd kind of made that game plan, went up, and fortunately we did hit a spot where there's some snow in the road, but we were able to get around it. And then uh, ended up getting to, we hit a snow bank and there was a little snow kind of coming across the road. And if I wasn't in a big Dodge diesel where I'd probably, you know, not ideal snow truck, I might've tried to drive through it and sure. made it to the trailhead. But it, unfortunately we were about a mile, mile and a half from the trailhead. So we stopped, parked and hiked in and then hit the trailhead and hiked out this ridge and, you know, down there a ways. And, uh, the, I think that was a smart move on the Dodge diesel thing. Yeah. I've, I've made that mistake with mine Get too stuck. many times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't do good in the snow. No. And there, we had hit a patch in the snow just before that. And, uh, a little bit. And there was about a 40 yard section of snow and the front end of it was only about a foot deep, but down towards the other end, it was about foot and a half to two feet and Jim was like just put it to the floor we'll make her through there and I was thinking but we're kind of going downhill and I was like yeah you know all right I'm like but what are we going to do when we come back up right and so that was kind of the scary part you know it's like we'll make her through because we're going downhill but if this doesn't melt how are we going to get back up through there we're going to be digging and uh so we had a shovel but we made her and then but it was amazing because so we parked hiked out there and that evening, or so we, or 
it was about midday. We got out there. It was about 1130-ish noon, set up our tent, found a really nice open ridge, good glassing points from, you know, both sides. And we could hike up and down the ridge about half a mile and, you know, glass. And there was some big, deep canyons and then, uh, you know, some open hillside that we felt we could look at and glass pretty good. Not sure if we could necessarily shoot from the side we were on clear across, you know, but we would figure out a way to either drop in the canyons or make it happen, which as you know, over there seems Uh like (laughs) in that country. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. It's like you see one and hopefully they're stuck on some onions or some, a patch of grass. Yeah. Because usually by the time you get there, if they're not, they're long gone. Yeah, they are. You see them cruising country. Who knows where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things we get out there. Well, we're sitting there and of course, not thinking, you know, we were thinking about waters. We were going out there, but it was our initial plan to camp was actually farther out. And there was a couple springs. Well, we had got to this spot and we were like, well, let's set up here and we'll go out and get water and come back because it just, this looked the most open that we could see. So we're sitting there. Jim went down, grabbed a little water. We actually, he actually was just diving over the hill, just trying to see what was going on. And he found some water just right over the hill. So that made it nice. And so I got the rest of the camp set up. Well, we sat down. It was one of those things where like, oh yeah, you know, let's take a nap. Well, it was like 90 degrees out and we're, Jim was smarter than I was because Jim went and sat by a tree on the edge of the ridge. So the wind was coming up and I was just tired because we had got up at midnight, drove and then hiked in. So we really didn't have any sleep basically all night. And, uh, I tried to lay down in the tent. Well, anyone that knows anything about sun baking on a tent, it gets it's hot in there, real hot, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was sweating and finally I was like, I can't take this. So I got up, went out, laid down on the ground over by him next to a different tree. And, uh, pretty quick, you know, we looked at our watch and it was like one, one thirty ish. And we were like, you know, instead of sitting here where we can't really necessarily see anything in behind these couple of trees, why don't we grab our stuff and just bail off, you know, the ridge about a hundred yards. And so we can actually glass. Right. So we go back up, get our stuff, hike down and we're only 150 yards in the tent. I mean, we're, you know, right on the tent and sit down on the ground kind of get our pads out and get everything set up and get the spotter out. Both of us glass across at this ridge. And it's one of those where it's kind of the upper end is pretty grassy. And then it came down in some timber and then it had that open, the few openings in the timber, but it was that thick brush, you right. know, that just notorious over there. You get in some of those draws and it's just super thick. You can't see five feet. The brush is 10 feet tall and it looks like it's a foot tall from when you're looking where you're glassing at. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it was kind of one of those things. We both sat down at the same time and looked and it was just boom bear. And, you know, we're like, okay, there's one. Why weren't we sitting over here earlier? You know? (laughs) And so we were looking at this bear and it was just a big jet black bear. And, uh, we're like, okay, cool. You know, at least we got one. So then instantly we're both trying to figure out how are we going to shoot this thing? Because it, as you said, you know, it's clear across over there. We're at this point, probably about 1200 yards, uh, which most guys, you know, if they have one of those big long range cannons, they're probably just going to dial up and send one. Sure. And I just, I don't, and I didn't really feel like I don't, to me, I'm the type of hunter that 
I just want to try to get as close as I can. And one, to make a better shot, but two, it just, that's part of it. Like mm-hmm. I just enjoy the stock, the experience and, you know, yeah, sure. These guns now you can shoot a long ways, but I enjoy the aspect of trying to get as close as I can. Right. And so, you know, we dove off this hill, dropped about a thousand feet vertically down into the, one of these canyons and uh, climbed out on this ridge. And there was a rock bluff that went out. And now we're looking across the hillside. Well, the bear was down towards the bottom anyway. So it was kind of one of those perfect scenarios where we got out on this rock bluff. The bear was kind of straight across and we ranged and he was 578 and he was just sitting there. Well, we had spotted another bear. And so we realized, okay, you know, there's a sow He's on a sow. Well, as you know, when they're rutting, they're following those sows. So you got a pretty good chance that he's not going to move too far. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's like a deer or an elk when they're in the rut, they're, they're focused. And, uh, so we got set up and the bear, he just kind of was sitting there and got my pack ready, everything totally perfect. And, uh, anyways, well, he kind of turned and started out and he just stopped boom and i shoot well i hit like a foot over the top of his back and you know it's kind of one of those things why i didn't think so i have a uh, loophole uh, scope with one of those cds dials well next to jason phelps's house out there in pl they have a big gun range and you know it goes out to 550 yards and uh, i had sighted my gun in out there well that cds dial I had sighted it in, not thinking, because Jason pretty much lives under sea level. I mean, he's right. you know, in the water out there in PL. Sure. And uh, so I had sighted my gun in at sea level. And so you go up in elevation, you're going to hit high, right? And uh, so I dialed that dial in to 580, thinking I'll just hold right in the middle. Well, I hit like a foot high. Then it clicked. Right. Uh-oh. Like I sighted this thing in at sea level. Now I'm at, you know, 5,000 feet. Uh, we got a problem. And so the bear runs off and well, then all of a sudden, literally 45 seconds later, a minute later, he comes poking right back out in that same opening. And this time I ranged him again, he was 560. So I was like, okay, cool. You know, I'll adjust it. So I put it at 550, took 10 yards off thinking, you know, okay, I was high foot high, take, you know, five or 10 yards, we'll be good to go. Well, he comes out and I don't know, you know, what happened, just the shakes, you know, I don't know. It's just, you know, your adrenaline's going. Sure. And, uh, it happened so quick and why well, sent one and it hit literally like a foot in front of his nose. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. You could see dirt fly. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Jim, you know, he's kind of back there, not laughing, but you could tell he was halfway laughing, you know. And, uh, <laughs> That's what buddies do. Oh, yeah. You know, you got to get that harassment in. Sure. And uh, so the bear runs off. And uh, now we haven't seen it. We sat there thinking, well, the sow was still there somewhere below, you know, in the trees. So let's just, you know, see what's going on. Well, I had wanted always to kill, like, you know, a pure blonde bear. Well, anyway, so we're sitting there and I was like, you know, we got three days to make this happen. I'm not in a rush. This is the first afternoon and we're seeing bear already. So as you know, how it goes, you know, we're sitting there. Well, all of a sudden, boom, she pops out and starts up the hill. Well, all of a sudden, you know, here he comes and right behind her. Well, they go in this clump of trees and literally sat there for like an hour and a half and we could see them, but it was one of those things 
you know, they weren't moving. They were just kind of in some shade, hanging out, hotter than can be out. Right. And uh, so Jim was like, well, we're sitting here, you know, and it was like bacon. We're on a rock, so it's already sucking in heat. And then, you know, here the sun's baking on us. We don't have sunscreen. We don't have anything. We're in the wide open. We didn't want to move in case they stepped out. So long story short, I think I ended up with literally a third degree sunburn, you know, (laughs) from that. But uh, anyways, so then uh, after about the hour and a half, uh, the sow, we could tell she had no cubs. And she had this like look of just she wasn't moving real good you know she just had like that kind of slow walk the way she was moving like she was older just i don't know if she was hurting or you know what was going on she something wasn't right you know it just it kind of had that feeling when you're watching her and we both talked to each other i mean now we've seen him for you know two and a half hours probably right total and there we could tell there was no cubs anywhere around and you know after watching her it was just kind of like something you just knew something wasn't right well she he comes out into this opening uh, about 20 yards above her and it's one of those things in that brush that it looked like it was wide open but you know obviously it wasn't and well he stops and right as i'm getting ready to shoot i range him he's 525 couldn't get any closer that was it it was done so i range him get ready to shoot and he squirts in behind some trees and it was like okay well now what, you know, like it's, you know, she's still there. He's going to come out, but it was just getting thicker and thicker down that hillside. And I'm like, dude, I don't know if we're going to see him if he starts moving. And, uh, well, then she steps right out in the opening right below him. And it was kind of like, he's like, there's your blonde bear, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I was like, but I don't really want to shoot a sow. You know, I was like, I want to kill a big boar. You know, that's what we're here for. But then, you know, we talked about it and we had been talking about it this whole time that, dude, she's hurting. Something didn't look right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so it was kind of one of those things like no cubs. Let's, you know, uh, make the decision here. You know, should I shoot her? Because just to, you know, try and like help her out because, mm-hmm. you know, something wasn't right. So, you know, we both kind of agreed. Yeah. You know, there's no cubs, you know, just help her. So I shoot dropped her right in her tracks cool everything was great you know so we're sitting there high-fiving talking you know like yeah you know and watching her to make sure she didn't move and uh well the big the black one comes back in and walks right down to her and he's sitting there like sniffing her and like swatting her like get up huh like let's go you know and she's just out cold and he's just sitting there just like swatting her and we've never i've never seen that in my life no and so we're through the spot and scope like halfway trying to film with phone scope and like taking pictures and this bear's just like lost like he didn't know what to do and so it was kind of cool to see that well every time as it happens all of a sudden he takes off running and you know so jim and i are kind of looking at each other like that was weird like he literally just went flying and uh we look up and here steps out this just giant this big old slob of yeah, a bear. <laughs> cinnamon colored bear. And, you know, he wasn't 30 yards above where she was at. And so he had to be in the timber because there was a piece of open hillside about 100 yards wide on either side in a strip of timber that was like 50 yards wide. So he was in that timber the whole time. And they were down there, you wow, know, yeah. doing their thing. 
Well, he steps out and comes right down to her and sniffs her and knew something, you know, obviously she wasn't moving. So he knew something wasn't right. And he takes off and went, you know, ran, ran off. And Jim and I, it was kind of cool. Cause it was one of those things like you're sitting there and you just see this like giant bear. Yeah. And I'm like, that was what we came here to kill. Right. But we did a good thing because she wasn't, you know, doing very good. And so it's like, we did a good thing, but at the same time, Dang it, because that that was that was what you were after. And yeah. you know, I don't know how big, you know, of a bear. I mean, he was over three hundred pounds for sure. I mean, just a giant, you know, big bear. And uh anyways, so he runs off. So this is where, as you know, things are never the same. And so we get down in the bottom of this canyon, start up the other side. Well, she died right next to this big old snag. And it was kind of an open, and so you 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 can't miss it, right? Like, you know, how you always do and you're like looking over there. Yep, that landmark. Oh, yeah. From across the canyon, it all is like, oh, that looks simple. I'll just look for that red snag right there yeah. and I'll walk right up on it. Done deal. And so. Never happens that way. No. So, you know, we get over on that hillside and do the old climbing through and you realize that brush that looked a foot tall is like 10, 15 yeah. feet tall. And so we're climbing through like that mountain alder stuff and just bouncing over everything and like picking our way through. Well, we kind of go up and around her and then back down and then back over. And now we're in that meadow where you first saw him and we're like, dude, okay, they're farther over here. Well, we see that snag. So we go over by the snag. Do you think we can find that bear? I mean, it was just one of those things like she was, it, that brush was so tall and from the other side, she was laying in the wide open. Right. But we up, down, around, so like two and two and a half hours of searching a 50 yard circle, trying to recover you know, her. Yeah. And finally I walked up on this like little knoll of grass and she was literally like laying like right at my feet. Yeah. And so it kind of made you feel good. Like, okay, at least I, you know, we found her yeah. obviously, but at the same time, you know, it was kind of one of those things that it was just, it turned into a nightmare. No kidding. Yeah. And so now we've been up forever. Now we got a bear on the ground. Now, you know, trying to get it quartered and like everything in our packs and get back up to camp. Cause we got to go down back into the draw and climb 1500 feet back up to the top of the ridge. And, you know, we knew it was going to be a long night, but the bear, so she was just super old. Like we opened her mouth and she had no teeth, like all of her teeth are gone. And just, uh, she had like no milk, like, or anything, you know, like her nipples were just right. completely dry. And, uh, so it was kind of like one of those things that, you know, she wasn't going to make she it. She wasn't going to make it through that year. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was. So, you know, I mean, I feel kind of good that we made the call because those other bears looked a lot healthier than she did. Sure. And so it was kind of a, okay, but sure. yeah. I hate shooting a sow. I don't, would never recommend it to anyone, but in that circumstance, it was like, yeah, it made sense. Yeah. Let's for do sure. It. You want to get that mature animal. Yeah, for sure. I so I it. sent, I sent the teeth in, well, teeth, <laughs> well, I, there's one tooth and I, took it out and it was coincidentally actually that behind the canine, that one they wanted. Yeah. And, but it was just a nub and I kind of dug it out and sent it in, but I don't know if they're even going to be able to get no. any huh. age off that or not. Yeah. It'll be interesting if they, if they do send it back and tell you. Yeah, exactly. It's so good to know. I took some pictures, you know, obviously, you know, of the bear, but of her mouth and right. sent it, uh, sent those in as well. So that way they could have evidence of like, Hey, this is what I was working with. Like, you sure. know, and there's not much, but I sent it to a couple guys who know bears like uh, Nick Hopkins. He owns boar masters at Idaho there and makes a lot of bear attractants. And I sent it to him and, uh, he was thinking that she was 14, 
plus. Holy smokes. And yeah. so it was kind of cool to like think about, hey, I just shot a bear, you know, that's lived that know? long. Yeah. Yeah. And so he said he'd shot one a few years before that was uh, the same way, like no teeth and got a little one and got an age and it was 14. So huh. it's kind of cool. But, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I've, <clears throat> I've not done enough of and that's age them, yeah. you know, with teeth. Yeah, you always got to send that tooth in, but, uh, I've never got it, got, you know, reply to, you know, get that verified. Sure. You, you kind of just guess, right? You never yeah. really are sure. Yeah. Um, and usually, you know, we don't, it's similar to the weight thing. You don't really know how heavy your bear was. Right. Because we always kill them in these areas where you just, you're never going to get them on a scale. All you do is get the meat out and, and take that back. But, uh, sometimes it would be nice to know the age and the weight of yeah. a bear. Yeah. And, and yeah, I agree. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's tough. Like you don't know, like you said, like how much that bear weighs, you know, right. and it's kind of like, oh, I don't know. My pack's pretty heavy, but yeah. you know, it is what it is. I can curl this much and this <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds like a, a whole lot more. Yeah. Start grabbing hams. You can't lift them. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was, and that was, I think that was end of May, wasn't it? Uh, that was actually in the, if like First second part of weekend June? of June. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And we so, kind of. We were similar. We were close on where we, when we both killed our bears, um, as far as the time frame, kind of later in the season. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of guys, I think, had, had gone in early, like you mentioned, April 15th, and got their bears knocked out, and then in May. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what happened because I think you and I were, I mean, well, we never seen another person. No. And so I think we were kind of the latest ones in there, but no one had been on that side of the unit because of the snow. Yeah. And so I remember we got out and I text you, mm-hmm. and you were heading down or getting ready to head down or something in like the next day or so because we only had like five days left of the season yeah it was point. it was down to uh the nitty-gritty there yeah right we're, to we're the wire cutting her close yeah and uh so then i think i had given you some intel yep trying to help you out where i saw that big one yeah and then i don't remember what happened at that point you'd went out there or something i and- bombed in there um it must have been a few days before because I think the snow had melted a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went in there and, and checked out that area. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw where you guys were. I wasn't exactly sure. Mm-hmm. Um, saw some good bears in there. Uh, saw two different blonde, just completely blonde sows. Must is like a hotbed for blonde sows in there. Yeah. Um, but then uh, but ended up backing out. The weather got really bad. I got a bunch of fog roll in and... Um, saw a really nice cougar came by me at 20 yards hiking in there that first day and, um, saw good bears. But once that fog rolled in, there was not enough days to sit it out and wait for that weather to go, go away. So I ended up dropping down, um, way down in elevation to get out of that fog and found a great spot and, uh, ended up getting my bear down there. Just a really nice big old cinnamon bore. Cool. But, uh, yeah, that was a fun hunt. I hope to draw that tag again someday. I know, me it was too. Pretty cool. Just the country you're in, and yeah, it's just difficult to uh, to bomb around. But it's it's a fun hunt because of the numbers of bears that are in there, and you see, you don't have to shoot the first one. You, you get to be picky and you know take what you want or find a good mature bear. You know, yeah, um, whatever you're going for. Yeah, I think, and I think that was kind of like you said, like our thing. Like when we had went over on our first trip, the first evening we saw four bears. Yeah. You know, and, and so it was kind of like, oh man, things are looking up. We got four spotted. <clears throat> Um, you know, and we actually saw this sow with a little, I mean, tiny cub and it was kind of cool. It started pouring rain and she sat down on her hind legs and was just, you know, sitting like bears do. And she's kind of straight up in this cub came in and just 
walked out and just sat down right in her lap. And so she's like holding it with her front legs. Oh, yeah. And Nick took some no pictures kidding. of it. And it was kind of cool to just see, you know, a mom taking care of her little cub, you know, like that and just watching it. But, uh, yeah, we'd seen four. And then when we went back, or we seen a, I can't remember, we seen another one the other day when we saw you. I, I'd have to talk to Nick. I can't, I don't think we did see anything. But we went back in. And when I ended up killing, so we saw those three bears literally in like two and a half, three hours there. Well, then we get over there and we're getting my bear and look back on the rock that I shot from. And literally right below the rock where I shot from, uh, like another cinnamon colored bear walked out and walked right under that rock. Jeez. And so it was kind of cool. It was like, we saw four bears in like four hours and you know, it was like, Hey, this worked out pretty good, you know, pretty good little zone right there. Yeah. Yeah. And for so sure. it is kind of amazing though. Like a lot of guys, wouldn't think about how many bear are truly kind of running around, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. You get in those mountains a little bit later in the season, summer, and, um, you know, you don't see nearly as many yeah. as that, as you see at that time of year. But yeah. There's a pile of bears in there. Yeah. No, um, there's good elk numbers in there too. Yeah. So I was going to say keeps him, <laughs> that keeps him fat and happy, keeps him happy. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that obviously is a spot where I'd love to go in and hunt some bulls, but it seems like yeah. drawing a tag is Tough. Tough. Yeah, I know. Once in my lifetime, I'd like to draw a tag in there. But mm-hmm. I'm not counting on it. Yeah. I'll just keep hunting other spots and hope for the best, but some someday, hopefully. Yep. I'm with you. But, uh, yeah, so yeah, so that was springtime. Shoot, we, yep. we did that, and then I think, uh, I know my next hunt, I was down in Nevada chasing muleys, but I think you, you were telling me about a hunt you had um, uh, for goats. Yep. Let's hear about it. Yeah. So, uh, at that time, yeah, you were going to Nevada for muleys and, uh, I'd had this hunt for mountain goats, uh, up in Northern BC. So it was, you know, kind of by the Yukon. I mean, it wasn't just in BC. I mean, we were up there a ways and, uh, I had had that hunt planned for kind of about a year and a half. And, uh, the outfit I went with North river outfitting, um, Ron, uh, Nemechek and Maria or- Oregoni, I probably pronounced that wrong, but, uh, they, uh, I had actually worked on a website for them and did a bunch of stuff for them. And, uh, it was kind of one of those things that I'd always wanted to chase goats. And yeah. so mountain goats. So you'd never hunted goats before. Never, never have. Never. Probably putting in like I am here in Washington and someday, maybe. Maybe. Hopefully, who knows? <laughs> you know, it's like I have 19 points and it's kind of one of those yeah. things. I'm like, I'll you know, I just Still, write that off. You know, I'll possibly never, never get it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm with you. That's goats is one of those, uh, bucket list animals for me. Um, you know, obviously I put in for moose, sheep, goat, like everybody else is in their home state. Yep. Um, don't expect to draw it, but, uh, some about goats, I've always wanted to go chase them. And, uh, I just hope to someday, um, BC might be my only option yeah. if I don't ever draw here. Yeah. You got to at least get up there and chase them somehow. Yeah. You know, and that was kind of, that was my feeling, you know, it was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to draw a tag here in Washington. Right. And, uh, so backing up the, to that story a little bit about it so my dad he actually that was like his favorite animal to chase hands down was a goat and uh he grew up in Enumclaw here and always spent a ton of time up by Crystal Mountain and Crow Pass and all that area up there uh, back in the day, which that all burned up this summer, unfortunately. But um, he had chased goats around up there. So between himself, his stepdad, and his hunting partner, uh, they had drawn 11 goat tags here in Washington. Whoa. And so it was kind of cool to, you know, 
for him, he loved to chase them. They drew all those tags. So how old is he now? My dad just turned 70 this year. And when was he hunting all those? When was uh, that? Back was in like that? the 70s and 80s. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So before we went to our once in a lifetime draw. Right. You know. Yep. And, uh, but at that time too, you know, it's kind of one of those things that he, compounds were kind of just coming on the market, but they weren't a big thing. And so my dad always shot a recurve. Well, he shoots one and then, or went out and hunted his first time with a recurve, didn't get one and drew again a few years later. And so that time he was like, all right, I'm really, I'm getting one with my recurve now, you know, like I'm getting one with my recurve. Like I'm, I'm doing this. And uh, so they go in and he goes in during the summer and like packed in all this water. And he had these like canteens and just a bunch of them. So he and his buddy. I remember the canteens. We used to hunt with canteens. Yeah. Now who does young guys don't even know what a canteen is probably yeah my dad like has a photo bag or anything like leather pouch bag that you put under your arm yeah i don't i mean i never even had to hunt with that stuff you know <laughs> so my dad back in the day you know like i see going through his hunting boxes the house i'm like what are these you know and yeah big old clunky canteens yeah metal things you hang around your neck under your arm yep and so they're using the old uh, metal pack frame yep. and uh, they packed a bunch in during the summer well they'd found this spot where they wanted to camp and put it under all these limbs and stashed them and buried them all over so they come in to hunt and the weather just got real nasty, snowy and like in September, even, you know, when it was fogged in and everything and just not ideal conditions, but that's part of hunting the mountains. And back then they don't have the gear that we have now. Right. And so they, they were had, tougher back then. We're a bunch of kind of, I don't know. We're just soft now. I know we compared are. Compared to those guys back then, what, yeah. what they had to use, the gear they had to use yeah. compared to what we get to use and we're still complaining. I know we are. I mean, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, uh, so it was kind of funny. And so they're, they get in there Well, there was a dude camped in their spot and somebody was like, Oh, great. You know, here's this spot. We have been here all summer. We cut, they had this clump of trees up on top of this ridge and like had made a camping spot inside of them and they had a like little ropes tied for their tarp and everything to go over their tent and like create a wind shelter and dude i mean like first class well this dude's in there so they get in there and they're like hey you know like sorry you know we built this thing during the summer well this guy is like on the edge of hypothermia like he's gonna die and so my dad was kind of like man you know have you are you have you ever done this before are you ready to hunt goats you know or anything and like this guy just drawing this goat tag first time like didn't know what he was getting into hiked up just happened to find the spot Hmm. and threw up his tent well long story short the dude's like shaking so my dad they get their stuff set up next to that area and uh built a big fire and like tried to get the guy like warmed up and gave him some clothes and, you know, trying to get him help back. Well, uh, pretty quick, the guy's like, yeah, I don't have any water. You know, I'm out. And so my dad and his buddy go and they just start pulling these canteens out from all of these trees and this dude's sitting here and he'd been there for a day and had no water. And so he was, but just, he was surrounded by yeah, but full he was canteens. Full he just can- didn't know it. Yeah. Everywhere. And so it was kind of funny because it was one of those things that, you know, here he could have had all the water in the world that he needed. So yeah. my dad, they make him some coffee and get him, you know, pulled back to reality. Well, the dude leaves long story short ends up killing him with his recurve. And, uh, so at that point, you know, it's like to him, like, Hey, you know, I finally, I did it, you know? And, uh, a couple other guys he knew had drawn some goat tags over the next few years. And, uh, you know, they always went up there and killed goats, but they were never really trophy hunting goats. It was just kind of one of those things like, Hey, we seen white hair knew it was a nicer goat, but not, you know, 
and you know a nanny or a kid you know something small they were always after trying to shoot billies and uh you know shoot shot them so anyways i had heard these stories as a kid you know and i'm like man once i started hunting i, I gotta hunt goats yeah you know and i always had this dream of being able to hunt goats with my dad you know it was like he loved it so much and he'd just go up and spend the summers up here and next to crystal mountain up there and above even and just glass goats i mean he didn't care it was like most guys you know some guys go glass mule deer and elk and no like my dad that was his thing he'd sit there on the yeah. highway and like anywhere he went he'd drive over snoqualmie pass and look at those rocks he'd park on the edge of the highway and just glass for goats and so like to me i was always just i gotta get a goat tag i gotta get a goat tag well so then this opportunity came up i was able to go while well, i was really hoping you know i was like man I would love nothing more for my dad to go, but the country up there is just, it's rugged and it's gnarly and it's not like the stuff here. And so, I mean, here there's timber patches in the rocks and where the goats are living. So you can kind of make your way. Yeah. We've got a lot of goats. Yeah. And we've got a lot of areas where the goats are that aren't too tough. Right. It's not your classic hardcore goat country yeah it's it's i mean there's elk running around in some of it yeah but it's it's not the terrain that uh, maybe british columbia has exactly and so it was kind of one of those things that you know hey as much as i'd love for him to go up there you know and so his birthday was in end august august 28th like my dad was turning 70 and you know it was kind of one of those things i just knew probably wasn't his cards to be able to go up and hike around so he was like hey you know what you go enjoy it and I want to hear the stories when you get back. Well, so the thing is, is like my goat hunt actually fell on his 70th birthday. And so the outfitter, uh, I was supposed to go up there around the 27th, I think is when I was supposed to get there and then fly in. And so, uh, they asked me a few days prior and that was like a Tuesday. So it was like that week before they were like, Hey, do you want to come up a few days early? I'm like, well, yeah, shoot. Heck, I'll, yeah, I'll drive up there. And so I was driving. So a lot of people, are they drive up to Smithers, and uh, then they fly in on a big one of those. It's not a – it's a wheel plane, but it's like a bigger one. Well, I forgot what they called it, but it's like a beaver, but bigger. Okay. Otter? And, yeah, an otter maybe, yeah. yeah. And so it, it was pretty big, though. So the, everyone flies in from there, and they actually have an airstrip built out in the middle of nowhere at – their like lodge okay and so everyone was supposed to fly in well i drove clear up to this town of uh toga lake and i'm telling you like it's on the kaziar highway and you're headed to the yukon and basically you leave smithers and start up there and it turns into that oh next fuel is you know 180 kilometers (laughs) and so you know at the time i'm thinking Hmm. better make sure the tanks topped off you know and uh, there was literally no towns no nothing it's just you're driving and got to be a pretty cool drive right it was and so and the thing that threw me off you know is like everything's in kilometers up there and so <laughs> like I, when i was first got into canada it was actually kind of funny i text jason and charlie and i was like guys you're not gonna believe this i was like dude diesel up here it's like a there was like 97 cents or something like i had figured it out after the conversion well not thinking that it was in liters right, and not right, gallons right. and so i like pull into the gas station while i fill up and i'm like dude this 
this isn't adding up right. <laughs> so it just keeps like filling and filling and filling. And pretty I look and it's like 80 something dollars. And I was like, well, that seems about what it should be. But then I like calculated out and I was like, dude, it's like three thirty a gallon, you know, like you're yeah. not thinking it was in liters. Well, Anyways, so the kilometers kept throwing me off like the whole way. Well, I drive clear up there and it's like 300 and actually like 330 some miles from like Smithers up to this Totoga Lake. And I'm telling you, if you've never been on the Kaziar Highway, there is nothing there, but it's really cool because there's bears everywhere. Okay. And so there's like, I'll be driving down the road, black bear. Oh, a little more, another black bear. I mean, they're just kind of like lining the highway. Just feeding on the grass alongside it. Yeah. Just yeah. eating that grass. <clears throat> and so that was kind of cool to just joke, go up and just see the road trip itself. So it was 21 hours from my house up there. And so, uh, you know, just to see all, everything along the way. And, uh, so I finally, I make it to to Toga and uh, Ron and Marie actually have a cabin there and I stayed in their cabin. Well, that night I met my guide, Thomas. And uh, so Thomas and I got a chance. Well, I didn't know he's going to be my guide at the time. They said a guide was flying in on my flight the next morning on a little float plane and we were flying. He was flying in with me. I just thought at the time like, Hey, yeah, whatever. Well, so we ended up hanging out that night, wake up next morning, go down to the dock. Well, up there, like, no one's on like, you know, a standard time, like, Hey, we're leaving at nine, you know? And so it was kind of one of those things like, dude, I'm chomping at the bit, you know, I just want to get up and I want to go hunt. And, uh, so all of a sudden we're sitting there and, you know, it's like eight forty-five in the morning and, uh, there's a little restaurant there at this resort. And I say resort, this thing is tiny. Okay. There's like a little restaurant that can hold about 15 people. And then, uh, one of those things where you could fill up with gas, but it's in like one of those big white tanks that, you know, there's one nozzle and <laughs> sure. you like pump it and like turn a handle and like actually pump it yourself. And so it was kind of cool to see like something like that out in the middle of nowhere, you yeah. know, cause you just feel like, man, I am so far away from civilization that technology hasn't gotten there yet. Exactly. Yeah. And so it felt pretty cool. And so guys actually sit at this place and they can like glass up sheep from the lodge. And so like, I mean, I'm like stone sheep just running around all over the mountains. And there's like this wall of arrows in this lodge from guys who have killed them with their bow around the area there. Well, I start looking through the arrows and it's like Adam Foss and Dustin Rowe and like those guys, you know, like guys that like, I know who they are and like Dustin, I work with quite a bit on his projects and his websites and that type of thing. And uh, so I was like, man, Dustin's arrow, you know? And so, so what do they do? Are they just leaving the used arrow, writing their name on it? Yeah. So they have like a little tag and they like tape it to these arrows. And so it says like what year? And then how far the shot, if they knew, and then how big their stone sheep was. And so it's like, cool. There's, I mean, I don't, I took pictures of it and there's like just a wall of arrows and, uh, there's probably, I don't know. It went back to like the nineties. And so there's like guys back in the day shooting those old Easton game getter, big aluminum arrows. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so it was kind of cool to see that and the progression of arrows that went down to like, you know, today's technology. Right small carbon arrows and uh well anyways so we get down get on this float plane and uh we end up flying in and so to start this whole thing so it 
the weather is perfect. It rained a little on my way up, but that morning it was just crystal blue skies and it was kind of cold, frosty on the ground, but just like absolutely perfect. And it was kind of one of those things like I had this vision the whole time of going on this hunt. I'm going to spend, you know, five days in the tent because of weather Sure, and you know, the typical, just the nightmare scenarios that could happen. Exactly. Like you see, it seems like these guys in the North, it's like, that's what happens. Like everyone goes up there, sheep hunting or goat hunting or moose. And it's like, dude, they spend, you know, five days in the tent and then hunt for two, three days, you know? Well, that's a great way to look at it though. It's always good to expect the worst and not the other way around. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, at least I was being a little bit of a realist or thinking that, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, it was kind of, that's what I had just already made up in my mind was going to happen. So we fly in and we're a hundred miles from like the middle of nowhere. And we come over this mountain and I look down and there's the Stikine river and it's just wrapping around through the trees. And then all of a sudden, like, here's this lodge on the end of the uh, edge of this river. And I was like, dude, this is too good to be true. You know, it was just kind of like one of those things that should be in a movie or a painting or like, right. It's made up like, this, this isn't real. And it took me a second to kind of realize like, dude, people actually got this wood out here, made this lodge and have that cool of a setup. And they live there all summer. They get to see it every day. And they see it every day and yeah. they guide hunters and like, you know, and it, so it was kind of just one of those things that it was just surreal. So we swoop down and we land on the river. And, you know, Ron and Maria and a bunch of guides and like helping hands came out and like, they're helping you get all your stuff off the plane and take you inside. And it was kind of one of those things I was like, dude, this is just, this is crazy. And, uh, and the weather was good. Yeah. What dude, just blue sky. Perfect. (laughs) And so I go in and of course I'm thinking, you know, I'm just going to be at this lodge for like a day before I'm going to go out and hunt, you know? And so it was kind of one of those things that it was like, all right, I'm going to hang out here for a little bit and just relax. So I go in freaking kick my boots off, sit down, grab a cup of coffee, some cookies. No, they had different like plans, you know, but I'd never done they anything. slap that cookie out of your hand. Oh yeah. Real fast. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> get your, get your gun, get your boat, you know? And so I had all intentions of boat hunting this thing. Yeah. And, uh, so Ron had, he'd came in and asked me, you know, he's like, Hey, you know, do you want to kill a big goat? Or do you just want to hunt like nice goats? You know, it's kind of one of those things like, well, of course I want to kill a big goat. Like who doesn't, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was like, well, I got a spot that we haven't been to in like seven years. And so I was like, sounds good to me. Let's go there. That's every hunter's dream (laughs) here in those words. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, yep, well, I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. So I go out, sight my, make sure my gum is still sight in, shot some rounds. Everything was good. And then go back in. Well, I'm thinking still at this point, you know, it was about one or two in the afternoon. So I was kind of thinking, you know, all right, you know, I'm going to still hang out. We're not getting out today. And so some other hunters, uh, had been flown in they were so previous before, uh, I got up there, it was a bunch of sheep hunters, stone sheep hunters had been there for since the end of July through this point. And so all these, uh, stone hunters were kind of coming in and out and it was kind of cool to see some of that. And, uh, one of me, so Ron, all of a sudden they're like, get your stuff. We're going. Like, oh, all right. So, of course, I'm, like, trying to change and grab all my stuff. I don't know what I'm taking because I don't know. So, I 
I'm the type of person in Nick and Charlie, anyone Phelps, they'll tell you I'm the overpacker of the group. Okay. And so like when we go hunting, dude, I have all my meals laid out and like Ziplocs, you know, with like, I know how many calories in there. I know sure. food I'm eating for breakfast, every snack, everything. They tell me I stop and eat too much, but I tell them it's hard <laughs> to keep a good fuel machine running. So like, there you know, you that that's my excuse. But, uh, anyways, so I got all my stuff. Well, I brought all my own mountain house meals, everything. Like yeah. I flew in there thinking, I'm bringing all my stuff, all my own food. I didn't want to depend on anyone to get me something, you know, or especially if I didn't want to eat it, you know, it's like, we kind of know what we like to eat and I didn't want to not want to eat what they brought. So I had all my stuff. Well, so Ron's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I got to get, you know, I need my food food ready. Yeah. yeah, You know? And so I had all the Ziplocs done, but I was trying to figure out what I was doing for mountain houses. He's like, we provide all the food for you. And I'm like, well, I don't do this guided hunt stuff. You know, I'm like, it's not my gig. I was like, you know, I'm just a regular over-the-counter guy in every state that I hunt, you know? Yeah. And uh, so anyways, we get all of our stuff together and uh, we go out and get in the plane. And so it was kind of, one thing I did learn, if anyone that goes on a guided hunt like that and they're doing any of the float plane stuff, they have a wind speed indicator that's right on the front of their wing and it's got a little it's a tube that's like an inch long that sticks out and it's got a little cap and it, this thing is tiny. Well, I walk up and like put my hand on like the rail of the wing and it's right next to that wind speed indicator. And Ron like freaks out. He's like, whoa, 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 stop, you know, move your hand. Like, don't, don't touch, you know, watch my, you know, and so he's like <laughs> just freaking out. Well, it caught me off guard because I'm not used to that stuff. You know, sure. I, don't, I don't do this. And, uh, so it was kind of funny. So I, I just backed away from the plane. You know, I was like, dude, you know, I'm, I'm good. So yeah. anyways, so we get the stuff in the plane while we get off, we take off and, uh, Ron is, it's kind of one of those things that it's like, he's used to flying in the mountains up there and, you know, and it's pretty drafty and when and you're in, and it's just a two seater plane, like him and me, you know, so it's a small plane and, uh, he's used to all those drafts and up when, you know, up kicking drafts, you around kick, a little bit when you go up and over the top and it, drop in. Exactly. And yeah. all that. And I'm not and so, and I hate like roller coasters and stuff. And so <laughs> for me, it was kind of like, dude, the plane's up and down. I'm like, I just hope I don't get sick. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And so we come like over this ridge and there's some stones bedded on this ridge. And, uh, dude, this one ram was just a stud and Ron, you know, he like goes over and he's like, Oh, you see those sheep? And I'm like, look, and I'm like, dude, I don't see them. You know, it's one of those things like you just get, like I could pick an elk or a deer out or, you know, something down here, but it's like, you get up there and that it's just, you got to like accustom your eye to get your game eyes for that area. Exactly. Yeah. And so it took me a second. Well, finally we spot him. Well, Ron's like, you want to go see him? And I'm like, no, I'm good, you know, because I knew what was coming. <laughs> and so he just. It's never a good sign when the pilot asks you, you want to go check it out. Yeah, exactly. And so he, all of a sudden he just drops down. And so he starts around and just, you know, banking hard. And I'm just sitting there like eyes closed, you know, like thinking I'm going to pass out, you know, and it was kind of one of those things. And well, we fly over him and it's not like we were like right on top of him or anything, but like enough to where I could see him, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, hey, yeah, like I see some sheep. And so I felt like. You know, it was like, we were going to fly in the side of the mountain though, you know, cause it was just, it was scaring me, you know. Right. You my, probably, you have no idea how hard those planes can bank and ex- cut. And- exactly. <laughs> and so it was, it was scared me a little bit. Well, so we take off and fly and we keep flying. Uh, of course, I have no idea where we're going cause you know, well, they won't tell you, but two, like, you know, 
he knows. And it, it just felt like every mountain looked the same, right. you know, and it's just those big, steep knife back ridges with, uh, just shale rock everywhere. And, uh, well, we come through this pass and we're going like, there's just this huge like ravine that went down and on both sides, it's just like steep rock like faces. And I look out the window to my left and there's goats standing like eye level with the plane, you know, and no like, way. you know, and, and we're about, I don't know, out each side, each side of the wing, it felt like it was like 15 feet because, <laughs> you know, we're flying through this valley, but I'm sure, sure. it was more like a hundred yards, 80 sure, hundred yards. Sure. And, uh, so I'm like looking at these goats, you know, and he's like, what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, it's like, that's, you know, pretty cool. I was like, are we hunting around here? And he's like, no, no, he's not really. We're just, those are just some resident goats. And so he's kind of just showing me, you know, some country. So I was kind of on an adventure plane ride for a second. Well, pretty quick he goes, Hey, he's like, buckle up. I'm like, I'm buckled. You know, like we're good. He's like, no, like make sure your seatbelt's tight. All right. (laughs) And so of course I'm thinking he's really not a good sign. Yeah. I'm like round two, you know, well, we go through this like little pass and it just, all of a sudden, he's like, we're going to land on the other side of it. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Well, we go through this pass, and he just, like, pretty much cuts the engine. Well, like a duck, if they're coming in, they can, like, tip their wings, mm-hmm. you know, kind of straight up and down so they'll fall. And so that's what he does. And then we just start, like, falling out of the air. And I am freaking out, you know, like, I just, I kind of, I was trying to film this, but I couldn't because I felt like I was going to throw up. Right. And so we dropped, like, 2,000 feet in seconds. I mean, just just diving well then he just kicks the motor back up and levels wings and boom we land on this lake and i'm like okay i'm like well i've uh, had about enough i'm ready to go home you know (laughs) and so it was kind of it was one of those things that it just seemed like you know this oh yeah something you're not used to first off and yeah i mean if you haven't done a lot of flying or they can turn you green pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, and they, I think they know that. I think they kind of mess with you a little bit. I, do, I, I feel like they just, they, they like got to push it. Yeah. You know, it's like, we're going to They're just going to show you how weak you are yeah. and how tough they are. Exactly. <laughs> and so it was kind of cool to, uh, to experience that in a way. So we land and he had flown my guide, Thomas, that I'd ended up hanging out with the night before he flew him in first and uh my packer they give you a packer too and so i'm thinking at this point i'm like dude a guide and a packer i'm like i i don't need any of that i just put me out here i just want to hunt goats you know like i just want to do this on my own type of thing and uh but up there you have to have a guide sure and so i'm but i'm thinking you know i don't want them packing like i want to pack my own goat you know like i just because i wanted to do as much as this as i could the way that my dad did it Mm -hmm. and so uh Anyways, so that night we get all settled in and everything and while I'm, we're down in the, kind of this valley and I'm looking up and I just at these rock walls and I'm like, one, how am I going to climb this? Cause you're going to need like ropes and like, once you get up there, you're going to have to rappel off the side type of stuff. You know what right. I mean? This is big country. And so Thomas is like, yeah, we're going to climb up to the top of this mountain. And I'm thinking, uh, all right, you know, like. Yeah. So are there like scree fields like around or is it pretty much just sheer it, hard rock? Yeah. So it, there is, there's a few, but that's a thing. So like Ron had told me, he's like, if I wanted to bow hunt, I would, he'd have to take me somewhere else where there was more like field, big boulder fields and that type of thing. Right. But if hunting this spot, I'd have to take a rifle because it literally was just so straight up and down. And these goats live up in those big rock faces that. He's like, you're not getting close enough with a bow. He's like, because if you come over the top, he's like, it's going to be 100 yards plus straight down before 
you'll get to where the goats are living. And he's like, you just can't, and you can't come up from underneath of them. So he's like, you're probably, you're just not shooting it with a bow. And so that was part of the thing of taking the gun. But the other thing is, yeah, so this one spot, it was kind of a boulder field ish. And then you get up towards the top of it though. And I mean, it just all of a sudden just, it's just straight rock face, but it's weird. It's like those goats walk on that stuff. Like that's unreal. Yeah. Yeah, It doesn't make sense. I know. I'm like, how do they do that? You know, it just, it there's makes zero sense on how, and how they don't fall off. Yeah. You know, or if they do, it seems like, it seems like they shit every time they go up there, but yeah, it's like a fluke, very fluky thing when they'd actually do fall off and lose their balance. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so we, we end up climbing up this thing. And I mean, there's a couple spots that we went through, like some rock shoots climbing. And I don't know how far we actually climbed, probably, man, 2,500 feet, you know, but like just straight up type of thing. And it, it was a ways. So we get up there and there was a couple shoots that we went through and it was like hand my gun up type of thing. And like one guy first and the next guy like grab your hand and like pull you up. And like, we kind of altered getting up there. Well, we get set up on top of this thing and this whole time it's just like bluebird skies. And I'm hmm. thinking, dude, like I might actually get a chance to hunt, you know? <laughs> and so it was kind of cool to... Now, how many days had you allotted yourself for this? Ten. Ten days. Yeah. yeah. So I had a long time, you know, <clears throat> I was like, I'm not in a hurry to you yeah. know, kill one. Like I'm expecting just, weather, you know, yeah, like you said. exactly. So I'm thinking, sit in a tent for five, I might hunt for five, you know, right. and or combination thereof. And uh, so we're sitting on this big rock outcropping and I'm looking down and in this valley and it was just kind of one of those things that it was kind of like hit me that I was actually there. Like, I'm getting ready. To, I'm going to hunt some goats. Well, of course, as we always think, there should be goats standing everywhere and there's no goats. And you're like, how could there not be goats here? You know, we just saw some like back over, you know, this ridge aways, And, you know, it just, you, you don't think goats can hide. Yeah. You know, it just looks like if they're there, you're going to see them. Right. White on rock backdrop. Yeah. It's like you can't miss them. So we're sitting up there. Well, I'll tell you right now, the wind up there is like, even though it's bluebird, the wind still blows like 30 miles an hour, 40 miles an hour. So you're sitting there and it's just howling. And so I pulled out my puffy jacket, put it on, you know, and just trying to keep my warm, you know, it seemed like I should be warm, but it was wind was cutting through. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, so anyways, we, uh, sit there for a few and we were glassing, didn't see anything. And we decided that we were gonna, you know, hike back down to camp for the evening and just make some dinner and go to bed, get up tomorrow. We'll check it out. Well, so we get back down to camp and we literally had like 45 minutes of daylight left, not much. And we start kind of just getting our mountain houses together and everything and boiling some water. And Thomas looks up across this Canyon uh, way up in this draw. And all of a sudden he's like, there's, there's some goats. And you know, it's kind of one of those things I'm like, huh? I'm like don't see them, but yeah, you know, so finally I grabbed my binoculars cause he was seeing them with the naked eye. And I, you know, it was one of those things like I couldn't, so I get my binoculars, look, boom, here come these three goats piling over the ridge. And it was a nanny and, uh, or kid, nanny and a kid and like another just yearling couldn't tell what it was. And, uh, well they feed down and they start feeding right towards our tents. And I mean, when I say they're like a ways off, they're a long ways off and all of st- they work their way all the way right down. And I'm thinking it's going to take them hours yeah. and goats kind of, when they're coming for water, like they fly off the hill. And so they came flying right down into this meadow and like right heading right for us. And I'm like, 
yeah, that's kind of cool. You know, yeah. like we're seeing some goats now, you know, and then they turn and walked off kind of down this big draw, this big valley, like headed down on where they were going, but they were heading down. Well, then we were, we're looking up this draw and up on that huge rock face. And all of a sudden here's a goat standing right out in the middle of it. And you're like, how did we not see that thing from being up on top and, you know, right. just <clears throat> popping out of the woodwork? Well, we get the spotter out and, get it on him and you could just tell instantly like dude this is just a big goat and so just huge body big swayed back and a lot of those like bigger billies will get a big sway in their back and they're kind of more yellowish like the other goats are like white but the big billies are kind of yellow and uh anyways so we're looking at this goat well then another one comes out behind it and they're about 200 yards apart and it, we're looking at that one and it was kind of like dude that's a good goat too, but you could tell he's a little younger, but I think he actually might've had a little longer horns because hmm. his horns kind of just, they swept back pretty good. And so we're looking at these two goats and of course it's getting kind of dark and, uh, well they start feeding down the hill and it was like one of those things like Thomas is like, dude, you want to go after him? And I'm like, we don't, we have like 15 minutes, you right, know? And right. it was like, I was like, no, you know, we should probably just go in the morning. They're there. They'll be around. He, well, I didn't, know that because I haven't really hunted goats much, but <laughs> goats don't just stay there, you know, yeah. like they move. And, uh, so we wake up, went to bed, wake up next morning. And I don't think I really slept at all. Cause I'm just dreaming about goats now. Wake up or you're the guide supposed to get up or in the packer and make your coffee and your breakfast and everything. Dude, I'm like, up, uh, I'm making my coffee breakfast. And, uh, I get everything and like, all of a sudden I'm like over at their tent, like, Hey guys, you know, like you up. And so, you know, they're, what, you know, they're kind of getting up, you know, it was kind of one of those things. It's kind of funny. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my breakfast, everything, you know? Sure. And uh, they're like, Oh, what do you want for breakfast? I ate it. You know, it's, <laughs> I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready. And so it's just kind of weird. Cause when you're used to hunting with guys that, you know, usually hunt with like Phelps and those guys, they give me a bad time. Because I, they tell me I have to get up a half hour before them to eat. But I'm like, dude, I have to eat in the morning. Like, yeah. if I don't eat in the morning. Like, Does Jason not eat in the morning? Dude, he, I swear, like, the guy's like a rabbit. Like, he just nibbles. Huh. And it's just, like, a little bit of, like, a granola bar or something. <laughs> and so, uh, and Nick's the same way. Like, when we were hunting Idaho a couple years ago, yeah. and uh, literally, dude, we're up. And I'm making my breakfast, everything. They get out of bed 20, 30 minutes after I do. And they're up and ready. I don't one. I don't know how they get dressed so fast. Like they are up and they're ready to go, you know, and I'm sitting over here like I'm ready, but like I'm halfway ready, you know, cause I'm thinking <laughs> we still got a lot of time. Sure. And so I'm kind of eating and whatever. Well, anyways, so back to the goats. So I, I get all my stuff and, uh, it starts getting daylight and I'm thinking, you know, we should be hiking. That's just what we usually do. It's like, it's getting daylight. You're hiking somewhere. Sure. And they're kind of more in the, let's just sit here and let's glass first, you know? <clears throat> well, so we glass back up and I'm expecting to see those two goats still up on that hillside. Dude, they're not there. You're right. You know? And so it's like, all right, well, now what? Well, so we look down the canyon and like a mile, like a mile and a half away. And you can see like a white speck, like way up at the very top. And it was kind of one of those things like... I don't know how you're going to get to him. And if you do, you're going to shoot him and he's going to fall like 1,500, 2,000 sure. feet. <laughs> and so it's like, you're going to have a busted up goat. And so, uh, we 
we spot this goat and we're in, we are like, yeah, that's gotta be that same big one from last night. And so we take off down the, uh, this Canyon headed that way and glass him up and we're looking and yeah, it's a big goat. I mean, we could just tell him we're like, all right, perfect. We're on him. Well, as hunting goes, you make this game plan. So we're going to hike like another mile down the end of this Canyon and go up around the backside and come up over the top and try to shoot him and, or hopefully get above him, get above him and shoot him and hope that he was in a spot that he would just stay or like not fall very far, like, or not shoot him, you know, if we couldn't recover him type of thing. Right. Right. And, uh, so we take off walking and made this game plan. And it was kind of one of those deals that by the time we got there, it was going to be like evening, you know, it was like, it was going to be a long day and a long ways around. So we go like 300 yards and, I just happened to stop and I look up to my left on the hill and there's a goat stand there like 200 yards. And I was like, Hmm. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm like, that's, uh, that's looking pretty good. You know, he's all by himself. And he just had that like yellowish color and just big, you could see a big suede back. Right. And the goat that we had seen the night before over there had a big chunk of gray on his neck. Like he must've got from like some rocks or rubbing on some dirt or something. (laughs) And, uh, it was kind of weird. I mean, we could see just his neck looked kind of funny. It was like grayish. So I'm looking at this goat at like a couple hundred yards. Well, it takes off running up the hill, of course, you know I mean? Cause it sees us and you know, it, they're going to try to get away and get up in the rocks. So he takes off running and he goes up into these rocks. Well, then he gets up on this big, like kind of rock bench and he just beds down. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. You know, I'm like, huh. And so we stop and get out our sp- my binos and I'm looking at him and Thomas, you know, is sitting there looking at him and he's like, that's a pretty good goat. And I was like, yeah, he looks pretty nice. And, uh, so I grabbed my spotter, throw it on him cause he's just laying down. Well, then it was kind of one of those things that, well, yeah, that's a real nice goat. You yeah, know? And yeah. so then it was like, dude, first morning, <clears throat> I don't know if this one, you know, I want this to happen. Like we sure. just talked about. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's like you prepare for so long and I literally spent, well, when Nick and I went on that bear hunt the first time, so I spend a lot of time in the gym, but I do a lot of weightlifting. Yeah. And Nick basically ran me into the ground because he's like this, you know, noodle and he just goes. <laughs> and so Nick's just an endurance guy. Yeah. Know? I've heard he can climb. Yeah. I've heard he's a good hacker. Yeah. So he just goes. And so Nick kind of killed me the first time, let alone I had new boots. But at the second time or at the same time, uh, you know, I was not in endurance. Like I was good, strong, physical, but like my endurance sucks. So after that, Nick banned me to the stair stepper. So I was on the stair stepper for two weeks or three weeks until I went back on that bear hunt every day for like 45 minutes, just hammering. And so I'm amazed how much it helped in three weeks, but I stayed on that all the way till my goat hunt. And I was on it five, six days a week, just hammering where cardio yeah yeah just heavy cardio and the stair stepper you know on like 13 14 just cooking and wearing a pack and with weight and just going so i get on this goat hunt i'm thinking like dude nothing's stopping me you know and so it was kind of one of those things when we climbed that mountain the night before i was good to go yeah but then now we're walking along and as hunting would have it, you know, it's like we're down this goats up on this hill and I'm like, man, I put in all that work and I'm going to shoot one and not have to really like yeah, work at <laughs> it, work and climb after it, you know? <laughs> and so it's kind of like one of those things though, like you've spent a lot of time on other hunts where you've spent, you know, seven to 10, 15 days 
and put in the work and put, put in the grind and the suck. Yeah, yeah. And, and never got some or got something, but it was like the last day. Yeah. And so it was kind of one of those things that it's like something's going to happen. Eventually hunting, it's going to happen easy, you know, right. or I say easy, but like quicker. And so we're looking at this goat. We start counting rings on this thing. And I'm like, okay, you know, one, two, three. And we can see like six rings. And Thomas is like, that's a good goat. He's like, you know, most goats, you know, if if you can see that, he's like, they got a couple more rings right down at the base in their hair that you can't see. <laughs> and so I didn't know that about goats. So, so it was kind of one of those things where like, okay, you know, like, so if you can see six, he's probably eight, nine, somewhere in there. <clears throat> and that's what he was trying to tell me. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, he's eight and a half or nine. All right. But then it was like, how long is he? And so Thomas, you know, we're trying to judge him by their ears. And so like five inches, five and a half inch ears. So you like take that and put it on, you know, see if you can double their ears, you know. Right. And so we're like looking at this goat. And I was like, dude, I want to kill like a nine and a half inch goat. You know, like I'm up here. This is trophy goat country, you know, or like no one's been in here. I want to kill a big goat. And, uh, I didn't really care to kill like a, a world record. Like that wasn't my goal. I just wanted to kill a nice Billy. Yep. So we're looking at this thing and I'm like, he's nine for sure. And Thomas is like, I have nine and a half. Well, my dad had always told me you can never see the last half inch of horn. He's like, I don't care how good your spotter is. I don't care, you know, what it is. If the, unless the goat is 20 yards in front of you, you're not going to be able to see that last half inch. Okay. And so it was kind of one of those things. I'm like, think I'm like, man, if Thomas is nine and a half, that sucker's got to be pushing 10, you know, because, and, and you could, I mean, you can see his horns, right? But they don't look as big, you know, because it's like sweeping back and like they get so thin and it, he was 310 yards. So it wasn't like he was a long ways away. Sure. But he's against rocks and it's dark and it's kind of like, you can't see like how much it's going. Well, the other problem is, is when they get that big fat base, you know, at the bottom for big Billy, then their horns look even shorter because the mass thing. Yeah. I've always thought I've never hunted goats. So I've never really paid that much attention to every little detail on how to score them up and all that. Yeah. I'm sure that the year I draw, I will. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've always thought it's gotta be really difficult to get to, yeah, within a half an inch. Yeah. It's gotta be tough. That is, that was my struggle. And so I just kept trying to think about like what my dad had told me, you know, and, uh, then I got my guide though, who's been in on plenty of goats. So I'm assuming he knows what he's talking about, you know, and so I'm kind of taking his word for it. But then it was one of those things. I'm like, dude, I don't know if I want to kill one. I don't know if I want to shoot one this fast. Well, you got great weather. Yeah. You're just there. Picturesque spot. Yeah. And you got goats daily. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, exactly. And it's- And nobody else is around. And no one else is around. And so I'm like, this is perfect. Hunters weren't even supposed to come in for two more days, but of course they weren't even going to go to where I was. So Mm -hmm. it was like just me. Well, so we're looking back across up on this other hill and that other goat is still sitting there. And I'm looking through the spotter and I keep looking at him and looking at him. And Thomas is like, yeah, he's like, that's a great goat too. He's like, you know, I, it's tough to tell from here. He might be bigger, you know, but he's like, what are we going to do? He's like looking at him because he'd moved a little bit. And he's like, by the time we get up there, he's like, if you shoot that thing, it's fallen. His fall line was probably pretty rough. All the way. And he's like, if you, first off, he's going to fall like 300 feet straight and then he's going to hit and tumble for another like thousand, you know, or 1500. And so he's like, by the time that goat gets down to the bottom, there ain't going to be much left, <laughs> you know? And he's like, if he has any horns left, cause you know, he falls and snaps horns off or whatever. Sure. And, uh, so it was kind of 
that was going through my mind. And at the same time, this whole thing's going down. Then it hits me that it's my dad's birthday. Oh yeah. And I was like, dad turned 70 today and I'm missing it. Like I'm up here hunting. And so I was like, dude, I got to kill a goat on his birthday, you know? And so I, as much as it was like the first day, I was like, what better thing than my dad turning 70, his favorite animal. And I kill a stag oh, man. Yeah, that's birthday. so cool. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So I get all settled in and then I'm like looking. And then of course, then it hits me again, dude, this first day. I don't know if I want to pull a trigger on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we literally watched this goat for like half hour. And 20 minutes to a half hour. And finally, i am got the gun on it, you know, and then it stands up. It was kind of like one of those, well, I could have shot it laying down, but I, I would have had to kind of hit it in the neck. And I didn't really, it was just like, dude, he's going to stand up eventually. You might as well just wait and make sure you make a good shot in the cavity and, sure, you know, call her good. So finally he stands up. But then Now, was like, he in a spot where the fall line wasn't that yeah, bad? Yeah, so he's like laying on this bench. So if he would have fell off the bench, he was going to fall like you know, 50 feet max. And so it was kind of like one of those just short fall, but mm-hmm. it was kind of grassy. So if he fell off, he was going to hit some grass. And so it was, that was our biggest thing was Thomas is like, this goat's not going to fall very far and he's going to be recoverable. And so as you always hear goat hunters say, shoot one where you can get to it and everything playing in. Well, we, I'm looking around and there's just miles of country and I'm like, dude, what else is out there? You know? And I got to imagine that's pretty difficult. Yeah. Like, and you, <laughs> you want to see more. Yeah. You want to see more. Like, you know, no one's even been there. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of one of those things that you're like, dude, I want to do this. Like, I want to go experience some stuff. I want to explore, but I got a stud standing right in front of me. What sure, do I do? Sure. And most guys, you know, I mean, it's kind of like one of those things like, dude, first day, do you shoot a 350 bull or like not if he's there, you know, depending where you're at. Yeah. And that's kind of what this goat equates to is like, you know, 350 bull. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard to pass. Yeah. First day, as much as we like that, that week of hard grinding out experience and, you know, doing all the things that you prepped for. Um, there's a certain mark, I think, yeah, 350 bull. I don't, I don't see how anybody would pass that. Exactly. Us Washington guys absolutely would not pass that first day, any day. No, you're shooting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so all this is going through my mind and then it's kind of one of those things like as that goat stands up, it was like, all right, like I got about three seconds here to make a decision because he's going to walk off that. And then, and if he would have went off that ledge, like I don't know, you know, what way he would have went. And I don't know if I ever would have like got a shot, you know? Right. So it's kind of one of those things. And I kept just thinking like half inch, half inch. I'm like, dude, if he's nine and a half, he's got that extra half. He's got to be pushing 10. I'm like, dude, that's a stud. I'm shooting. So I shoot and I hit him and I just perfect shot right behind the shoulder, right in his heart. And it was uphill pretty steep. And, uh, so he stands and we hit the deck and then he kind of like stood up, but he was like, I jacked another shell in. And it was kind of one of those things like, should I shoot again or not? Cause it, it hit him good. Well, my guide, Thomas was like, you know, I look, I'm like, should I shoot? And, you know, yes, you know, like shoot, like don't let him get off that ledge. Cause you know, if he falls, you're just risking breaking. Well, right as I get ready to pull trigger, dude, he stands up on his back feet and he's straight up in the air with his front legs straight up. And so he's just all stretched out like, like a bear on his hind legs with their arms up, just straight up. Weirdest thing I've ever seen. And so I was like, huh? Well, right as that happened, like I was already pulling the trigger, you know? So it was like, it was, there was no not shooting, you know, (laughs) boom. And I shoot and, you know, I hit him again right behind the shoulder. But of course, but then he falls over backwards. Worst thing you could ever have happened to a goat, right? Because his horns, like he's 
going straight down on his horns. Right. Well, he falls off this ledge. And well, I'm thinking he's fallen down into these rocks. And so instead he, so I don't know how it happened, but he falls off this ledge, falls like 15 feet. And there's a little grass ledge and he lands on it. And he just hung up. Hmm. And, but he's upside down. And I'm like, whew. I'm like, well, that worked out. Cause, but now I'm just waiting for him to roll off that and like fall down and give a little kick at some point Mm -hmm. and go. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're sitting there and it was kind of one of those things like Thomas and I were sitting there like looking and just waiting and, you know, waiting for him to kick or move or, but he never moved. Uh And so we're like, all right, but this is where things got a little fun because we get up there. So first off climbing up there, it seemed like, yeah, it's 300 yards. This is nothing. Sure. But it was 300 yards straight up, you know? So it's like, you're still earning your, your climb up there, you know? And so we get up there and then we climb up on this ledge and now we're like, dude, this looks so easy and seems so good, but how do we get the goat? You know? Cause he's like on like a ledge that's just as wide as his back and he's upside down. So it's like as wide as him. So like a foot and a half, two feet wide and he's just hung up and we're like, and we got like a little gap, like, you know, probably four or five feet wide to like get over to that part, but then you got to get back across it. And so then it was like, all right, do we kick him off there and like go get him down below or do right. we try to get him across here and like not risk breaking his horns or anything, you know? Sure. And so we made the decision to pull him back across this gap because then there was like a bench, a little, another little grassy ledge that was probably, you know, 10 feet by 15 feet. So enough room to move around, do your thing. So we all grab a leg and we're like, all right, we're just going to one, two, three, this thing and go across. And if anyone starts falling, just let go and we'll let go and, you know, we'll go get him. Well, I don't know how exactly it happened, but at some point, like between there and getting across the ledge, we did the one, two, three, and we like just all yanked this goat. And I don't know if like we all got some extra strength or something, but like, we just like threw it, you know, (laughs) we just like threw this goat on this ledge. And so it was kind of cool that, you know, like we all did it and like no one got hurt, but it was kind of one of those things for a second. Like there could have been some serious casualties, sure, you know? And, uh, so anyways, we take a bunch of pictures and everything. Well, they had one of those, uh, uh, in reaches and I had never used one before. Gotcha. And so I'm going to buy one now because no, I love it. That's cool. Especially for a solo guy. Yeah. They are invaluable. I mean, they're just money. You have used yours a lot. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Had it for years. Yeah. I started, I started, uh, quite a few years ago with the spot. Mm -hmm. Um, my wife kind of wanted me to have that with me. Sure. Um, but that was first generation and there were some issues and I ended up picking it back and ended up getting that, that in reach. And yeah, it's so good. It's so perfect yeah. for what we do. Just yeah. getting messages out, checking weather. Yeah. And for that, you know, scenario when you really got to have it, right. you know, it doesn't weigh much. It's perfect. Yeah. And that was uh, after using it and it's kind of experiencing that. I was like, dude, I got to get one of these for sure. So I'll get one from now on, but yeah, so they have one. So I sent my dad a message and said, happy birthday. Awesome. And so that was kind of like, just like the, Oh, I said, goat down, happy birthday. You know? So it was kind of one of those things that it was just like the coolest thing. Turned 70 killed a goat on his birthday and then once we got up there we realized like dude this thing's a stud you know yeah. like, we didn't realize how big he was we but even at that point we only thought he was like a little over nine and a half and uh got him all taken care of caped him out 
Char, I'm going to have Charlie life size him and like, I'm going to have him do it on a rock. So he's bedded like the way he was. <laughs> and so it'll be kind of cool. You know, I don't know where I'm going to put the thing, but uh, I don't know if you want Charlie to do that. I mean, uh, I'm looking at some of his work right now. Yeah. Right above your head. I know that, that elk, bull's kind of creepy. Yeah. Big bug eye on that elk. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, that was definitely, that was Charlie's like first masterpiece. <laughs> um, if you ask him, he doesn't like talking about it. No, I can imagine. Yeah. I'd have nightmares, I think, if I had that in my house. Yeah. I mean, that's like <laughs> Halloween decoration. People come over, they're like, is this real? There's something wrong with his forehead. Yeah. Kind of nose puckers up. Yeah. And that eyeball. Something about that eyeball. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. You sure Charlie's the man for I don't that know. I might, I might rethink this goat now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, it. Uh, I'm going to try to do that. But we get back down there. Take it, get all, get back to camp, hike back over there, and we're sitting there for the day. And that's kind of one of those things. Like at that point, you're at the mercy of you got to hike back to where they can pick you up on from the plane, and then uh, you're at the mercy of the weather and what they're doing. You're like if they have other people coming in, other hunters, they're flying in and out. So they send a message: "Hey, goat down, come get us." But then they don't necessarily message you back right away because they're busy doing stuff, so sure. you don't know if they're coming or not. So at this point, but then the weather, we're checking the weather and it was like big storm coming. And so then it's like, okay, now we've killed one, but now we could literally be here for three days, you know? And so like, what now what, you know? And so we get to go all caped out, enjoy the afternoon. It was just sunny, got warm. And I mean, it was just kind of one of those picture perfect things if you ever could have painted it you go up it's just sunny you kill one it's sunny blue skies you're looking at all the surroundings taking pictures video everything enjoying it having coffee sitting outside in a t-shirt like man that sounds i mean that's yeah that's that's the heavenly yeah like <laughs> after you've killed your animal yeah like life was great you yeah know? and it's yeah. so it was like probably one of the shortest but one of the best experiences that like i've had as far as just being in some country like that. And, uh, so we sit there and then pretty quick, all of a sudden you hear like the roar of the plane. And then, so Ron came and picked me up and flew me back to camp and then flew back in and got Thomas in the next day. Anyways, he got Jesse out, but the problem after that, now I'm at the lodge and then the storm hits. And so now I'm just stuck there. And we, I can't fly out. I can't do anything. And most people that go up there hunt two species. You know, they hunt a moose or a caribou or a grizzly with their goat oh, right, or something. Right, right. And so I didn't have another tag. All I have is a goat tag. So I was like, dude, you know, I'm like, I'm, they said they would fly me out, you know, and like just if I drove all the way up, they could sure. fly me out and I could just drive back home. Well, of course, <clears> it's getting close to September at this point. So I'm thinking like, dude, I, yeah, I want to get back home as quick as I can because I want to go hunt elk. You got elk to chase yeah. back home for sure. And so it was kind of one of those things like I just, you know, it was quick and, you know, but then I got stuck at the lodge for a few days. But that was probably one of the best things that happened because it was just nice to relax and, you know, like. Well, and they had cookies and coffee. Oh, dude, every day. And it was like <laughs> the awesome. best thing because it was like you get up. And it was like, there was never a moment like without cookies and coffee, oh, you know, man. it was just like service all day. It was like, <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, so, and they're, they're honestly, I mean, like if anyone's looking to go up, I mean, Ron and Marie are truly two of the nicest people you ever meet. Like they are just world-class bent over backwards for you, you know, type of people. So I it mean, sounds like they got a pretty good area. They do. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, they have, like Ron says, like his area, you have the chance you might not be like one animal specific, like you're going to kill a record book moose here. Like you have the opportunity to kill a record book, moose, goat, sheep, bear, 
caribou anything in his area. And so it's like there is the opportunity to kill, you know, a big something big. Multiple species, quality all around. Yeah. Sounds like. And so like 80% of their moose the year before, not this year, your last year, 80% of their moose made Boone and Crockett. Wow. And so, I mean, they have big animals. And uh, anyways, so then came home, drove home from that. Uh, Front end went out in the Dodge. That was nice. Uh And then uh, anyways, so then went elk hunting, went to Montana. And then this is kind of where you and I, uh, you know, started talking again a little bit. Yep. Yep. I think, uh, shoot, I had already tagged out here in Washington. I'd done some other hunts Mm -hmm. and then, um, yeah, we started talking about Montana. I had, I had a tag in my pocket for over there. Um, my plan was to go over there kind of the end of the season after a lot of the guys had given up and, uh, chasing kind of at the end. And, you know, over there you got till October 15th to, to chase him with a bow, which is just incredible. Yeah. You know, if you live in our state, you get a hunt here two weeks and then you, yeah, two weeks. And you always have that to kind of fall back on. And yeah. you've got that kind of in between time where there's not a, another archery mule deer hunt or anything. It's just perfect time to go over and chase bulls. So yeah, we, uh, <clears throat> we started talking. I was, I was curious about where you were, you were heading off into, I think you had, you'd already killed a bull. I think, yeah, I might've you, killed mine already. Yeah. When we, when we had talked. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 I was, uh, I was curious about the conditions over there and Mm -hmm. if they were talking at that point, cause I think what was the date on the bull you killed? Was that Um, September? Yeah. It was like the 27th or 8th. It was somewhere around there. Yeah. It was towards, or 9th. And I think 29th. I think I was curious, you know, are they still talking? Yeah. You know, cause, um, you know, my worry was I was going to hit hit it just a little bit too late and I had some work things coming up and it just kind of kept pushing my trip off. Yep. So I knew I'd be there maybe kind of at the tail end of it. I was wondering, are they still going to be talking? But you, uh, I think you moved around to a couple different areas, started off a little further south, moved up and found just a frenzy of a spot where you were um, and reassured me that they were just going nuts. Yeah. And we were kind of in that same general area between yeah. like where I was hunting and you were hunting. We were kind of in that same spot. So it was kind of. Yeah. You know, I had a kind of a game plan um, where I'd seen bulls in the past and hunted in the past. It's just, I had never yet taken a real quality bull out of that area. Sure. Um, but yeah, surprisingly we hunt similar close. Yeah. We didn't know you were. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't know that at the time we kind of, was one of those things like you start talking and like beating around the bush a little bit and then yeah. pretty quick we figure out like, like oh, oh, you're by that town. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. kind of right by the town I'm out. Yeah. And then, oh, you're west, I'm east. And yeah. oh, I've been over there too, you know? And so <laughs> it was kind of one of those funny things that we kind of ended up hunting in the same general spot there but uh yeah that's what's cool about having buddies that that go around and see new areas you know you can you can get little you know get little pieces of intel that are super valuable yep. you know like your spot where you were they were talking yep um other parts further south they weren't talking yeah when you were when you started so um you know, reassuring and going over there with confidence knowing, all right, well, John found a whole bunch of bulls that were screaming their heads off. You know, I think I can, I can find some and, and go look in some areas. And so, yeah. And then yeah. you tromped around and tromped around. It had slowed down cause I didn't get over there when I thought I had it. It had slowed down significantly, but, uh, you know, found some great stuff. Awesome country. Um, it's kind of how I treat that country is I just always keep wanting to learn Every year when I'm there, maybe I'm not going to hunt it 
you know, for the entire time. I just want to learn a little bit more, a little bit more. It's not a high density area for for elk. Right. So you really got to spend a lot of time locating these little core areas yep. and, uh, and playing with them and year to year it changes. So, um, I just love seeing that new country figuring out places and I'll always have that bank in my mind. Like this is uh this is a spot I'll have to look in the future. Yeah. So. And, and it's kind of one of those things like, you know, coming from Washington, we're kind of in that spot where there's not a lot of big bulls unless you draw a tag. And there are some places where there are big bulls, but it's not like, Idaho or Montana where you can certain places in Montana where you can go and there's just a vast majority of bigger bulls yeah. around. And that's kind of how that country is. Like it doesn't really, it's tough. Yeah. You know, it's not country that you're like we talked about that you have, you might not even need binoculars. Right. Um, probably don't. <laughs> you could probably uh, leave them at camp because it's so thick and that type of country where the terrain is such that, you know, like I always say, I want to go in those places where they grow old and die, mm-hmm. or they at least have the opportunity to. Sure. Whereas, uh, you know, the more glass will open country, uh, it's typically not the case. They typically get killed if there's a rifle season late. Um, but I, I've always been kind of intrigued by those areas. They're difficult to hunt. They may not be that much fun unless you've got screaming bulls. Right. Because you're not seeing a lot of animals. Right. If you are seeing them, they're 15, 20 yards in front of you. Yeah. Whether you got a shot or not, you know, who knows. But um, I've always been intrigued with those type areas, um, Idaho and Montana as well, just because of the fact you have opportunity to just pull out a monster, just yeah. an old age class, heavy horned bull that may never go, never get seen. Exactly. By folks. So, And that's kind of how I feel. It's like, I want a chance where I can go to, you know, it's like if I kill one, um, there's a good chance he's going to be could big. be a good one. Yeah. Yep. And so that's kind of where I'm looking at when I'm trying to go hunt an area like that, you know, and, uh, you know, so that's kind of what happened to me is like, I had taken another buddy and we'd went and hunted an area for a few days, got in and it was just cold and snowing in Montana kind of got covered in that snow early this year. And it just, nothing was happening. Yeah. And we were glassing up bulls. I mean, I had a six point bull 300 yards right below me and he was sitting there with some cows and I literally, I cow called at him, hid behind a tree. He didn't know I was there and it was behind a tree and I cow called just trying to, cause we hadn't heard a bugle in three days and, and it was kind of like, well, I take that back, but it was not, not enough to get you excited. Sure. And then, so it was kind of one of those things like you get down there and then, you know, it's like, you're looking at a bull and Okay. I'm at least going to get him to bugle, you know, dude, I tried everything, cow calling, bugling, everything. At that point I was like, dude, Phelps's calls don't call elk, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, you know, it was you like, have somebody to blame. I know. And I, I was blame Phelps all the time. I, me too. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. I, you know, I'm like, I've called, you know, elk with Phelps's calls. And so I know they work, you know, and it was like one of those things, the bull literally would just lift his head and look, and it was like, dude. I don't know what I'm doing. So then I'm trying all sorts of different variations as, you know, sound, just something to get them to talk. And they weren't running off. You know, it was like, dude, we're here. But mm-hmm. it was like, they just didn't want to make any noise. <clears throat> and so then it was kind of one of those things. And I think a lot of elk hunters get stuck in the fact of, you know, hey, this is my area. I'm going to hunt here. And I've been here before. And I want to just, I know it. I'm going to kill an elk eventually, you know, like, but you got to adapt, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm not hearing any elk. I'm seeing them. They're not doing anything. I'm getting out of here. 
Yeah, you kind of have to be aggressive with elk, right? If you want to be consistent right. year after year. Yeah. It could happen that you just, you know, buckle down and hunt an area hard day in and day out. But I think consistency comes from going and finding those bulls willing to play. Exactly. And that's kind of one of the things I learned from hunting with Phelps and Charlie over the last few years. You know, it's kind of, you know, you hear an elk. And it's like, there is no just sitting and like, oh, we'll, we'll slow play. Maybe sure. you will, depending on the situation. But for the most part, it's like, dude, we're going, we're hauling, we're flying, trying to get to that elk. And, you know, if we screw it up, big deal. We move on and we find the next one right. and, you know, and then so on. And so in this case, all the snow and everything, I, I have another <clears throat> buddy who lives up north and uh, from that, where we were. And, uh, I had got in touch with him and I was like, Hey, you know, is there anything going on? Yeah. They're screaming. Are you kidding me? You know, it's like, we're sitting here wasting our time, you know, and there's bulls <laughs> screaming. So I'd hunted this other spot, uh, several times and, you know, it was kind of like, well, several, quite a few. And I knew the area, I knew where I could go in. I knew where the wallows were. I knew everything. So we drove up there, literally parked, got out and went for a hike. And, uh, it was like bulls were screaming instantly and it was kind of like, all right, you know, should have been here. Days yeah, ago. We should have been here. Days yeah. ago. And <clears throat> so it was kind of one of those things. And then now the advantage is I know where I'm going. I know everything. So we dropped down in, got on a giant right off the bat, didn't end up killing him. Uh, spent, we heard some bulls bugling the next day and then we only had another day. So it was like three days, you know, left to hunt and, uh, or, or that day. And then we had a couple, one more. So anyways, get back in the next morning. And there were bulls going everywhere. And it was just kind of like one of those things. Why were we not here sooner? Because, you know. You had spent several days in another area. Yeah. And they just weren't talking. Yeah, and they weren't doing anything. So now we're chasing bulls. And we get down in there. Well, we end up calling in. Man, well, we had like six bulls bugling. And uh, we get down in on one. And I we were hiking down to get down on one. And a six-point was bedded my buddy was like hey i'm just gonna bugle and i was like yeah we need to figure out where that bull is and because he hadn't heard him for a little bit and uh all of a sudden as it goes a bull stands up right in front of us like 70 yards and it's a six point it's just standing there and i can't get a shot and i didn't want to shoot because it was like i knew he wasn't the big one and it was kind of at that point like we've talked in that area you've got a chance to kill monsters a monster yeah. yeah and so it was like ah, i don't know i'm like yeah he's a six point but like yeah you know not something i was necessarily interested in and so he takes off anyways before i could even get a shot and then if i had moved and then uh so we get down and well we start downwind and it's that type of country it's just steep and rugged stuff and so we keep dropping down in this canyon while well, i'm like we got to get down below the elk and then come up underneath him because the wind the thermals are coming down and my buddy this whole time thinks like I'm just out to kill him. You know, he's like, what are we doing? You know, you're, you're out of control. Like, you know, if you want to kill a freaking elk, you know, you got to be aggressive. You got to get down in on them. And it was kind of one of those, all right, we're going to get up. We're going to come underneath of them and sneak up. And granted it's tough cause they're looking down through the timber, but I was like, we just can't make any noise. You know, we'll just not cow call, no bugles, no nothing. And I'll sneak in on this bull. Like how called, we finally get to a spot and we're kind of, he's just above us about a hundred yards in the timber. And it was kind of one of those spots where you could cow call, but you needed to move forward quick because he was going to come down through the timber looking, you know, for you. And, uh, so it was kind of a little blow down, not bad. Why cow call and just take off 
on a dead run. And I think the thing a lot of guys freak out, you know, with elk or whatever is that they think they're making too much noise. I think that's impossible. I agree. And that <laughs> was kind of make so much noise when they're traipsing through. They, I mean, they're popping sticks and yeah. running and when you they hear do run. Yeah. They make so much noise. And I think with like hunting with Phelps and Charlie, it's like I learned a lot from them as far as that. It's like, you can never be too quiet. Like mm-hmm. just start making noise, elk make noise and just, or be too loud and just, uh, just go, you know? And so I took off on a dead run, made a couple of cow calls and just took off kind of angling up towards the bowl, but on a dead run and, uh, hopped a couple logs, got set up, ranged a couple trees and this bull comes out and I see him. And at that time he's probably like 40 something yards and he's just angling coming down right in front of me, but he was behind some trees. So I'm getting ready to draw. Well, then he turns and kind of went back uphill and then he just stops in the wide open. And I'm sitting there looking up there and I'm like, man, that is a stud. You know, it's one of those that we're after, you know, and he's probably a 340 bull, just solid, just 340. And, uh, I range him 67. And it was one of those things that I'm like, man, I could shoot. I really, I, you know, he's in the wide open and I could shoot, but it was one of those, I just didn't feel comfortable shooting, right? you know? And so a few days prior, I, I might have, but a few days prior, I had my bow sitting next, leaning up against the tire. We were getting ready to head out on the, at this trailhead and my buddy came around, wasn't paying attention. And he stepped on my sight and snapped it off. <laughs> and so I had a Montana black gold adjustable slider and he stepped and snapped it off. Ouch. And we're at the trailhead getting ready to hike in. And it was just one of those things. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, how did this just happen? You know? Kidding. And so I had, thankfully had a backup sight, but it was a fixed pin spot hog seven pin. So I had a pin for 67. I mean, I had a 70, like I could have shot, but it was just, I don't know. Like I just, I wasn't feeling it. So yeah. here I got this 340 bull standing there and I let him walk off, you know, but it was like, if you're just not feeling it, I would rather not shoot and wound him or, you know, whatever else, who knows, you know, you hit him in the guts or something, you know, yeah, and now you absolutely. got a mess. I mean, let's face 67. That's a long shot. That's yeah, a long poke is. right there. It so, is. Yeah. But how many guys out there? I mean, most guys probably would have flung one, you know, I mean, at a bowl that big. And, yep. you know, I mean, unfortunately is it is what it is. It's archery hunting, big bull. A lot of guys get excited and they yep. want to kill one. And to me, and I think it happens far too often with yep. guys is, you know, with folks actual capabilities, exactly. you know, shooting at a target versus shooting at a live animal, totally different. I mean, we could, we could have a whole podcast on that and people have, but, um, I'm definitely in the same mindset that, I would rather take a shot very comfortable mm-hmm. than risk one where I'm like, oh, hey, I got it. Yep. That's not what I want to be saying when that arrow goes in. Exactly. I want to know I got it. Exactly. Um, my, in fact, my longest shot ever on a bull was 50 yards, and I was really he- really hesitant about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never taken a shot farther than that, and uh, uh, I think the next longest was 43. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, man – you think at that point, especially in the rut, you're going to get them closer Yeah, too. But yeah, I think that's a great move. I think more people, um, you know, it's respectful that you did not take that shot if you felt like it just wasn't, you know, you don't, you don't want to be surprised when you hit him. Right. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. And I kept thinking in my head, like, 
well, you know, maybe we'll call him back in Mm -hmm. also. You maybe, you know, if I don't, he didn't know we were there. And so it's like, you know, maybe if I keep going, you might call him back in or he'll be here next year and it'll be bigger. Sure. And so that was kind of my thought process in the whole situation. And so I let him walk off. Well, of course, you know how that goes. He just walked off and he started walking up the canyon. I don't know if he did know something was right. I mean, they don't get that big from being dumb. And so I don't know what happened, but he took off and uh, we could still hear he would bugle. Like I, I, we, well, so we still had five other bulls bugling. And so it was kind of one of those things that, what do we do? You know? And so he would still scream and he was screaming back at the other bulls. So we didn't even have to call really. We kept going side hilling through a couple of little, these draws in the timber and got on another bull, called in another one. My buddy almost killed it. And then I almost killed it. And then we kept going and pretty quick. It was like one of those, we've been going through the timber here for a couple hours into this into this opening in the timber and it was kind of a little draw and then it was one of those spots where it was like grassy timber and uh i was like man this is good going and this bull screams and he's just over the back side of this hill and uh i'm like i'm gonna cow call and we're gonna run as fast as we can up this hill through this grass because he's not going to hear us. I mean, we're going to be going just quiet. So kind of like a solo tactic. It, you know, cow call, try to get closer because you know he's coming in. Exactly. Versus and, having a guy set back from you yeah, doing and, the call-in. And, and that's kind of my, my thing. Uh, I had backed up and done the call-in thing with my buddy before that here, like an hour before that, and where I was doing the call-in and raking, and the bull came in, and he just never got a shot. And then, of course, as that goes, it called him by him towards me, you know, and he's coming in, and uh, I wasn't ready. And then, so he takes off. Well, then, uh, yeah, so the solo tactic thing, what I do, you know, generally, if I'm by myself like that, is I either bugle or cow call, but I, wherever I make that noise, I run forward 40 to 60, 80 yards, depending on how much I can get away with. Yeah. Cause that bull's probably going to come in there, but he's not coming all the way. And so it's like, at least I can cover that ground, but I try to make those noises in a spot where I can get away with that movement. And if he's over a ridge, if he's in some thick stuff or, or I can run, like I need somewhere where I can make that movement and not get busted. Right. And, uh, so it was one of those things in this case, my buddy, wasn't a hundred percent like, you know, on the calls, he's one of those guys that's a little newer to calling. So mm-hmm. he, he, you know, I don't know if, you know, I wouldn't say he's necessarily like a horrible caller, but he's just not up to par, like as far as like the rest of us or what we would do. And, and he, I, he's just nervous about using them a little bit. Sure. And so it was kind of like, okay, I'll do the calling and this will work better for both of us because we'll both run forward and then we'll both be able to get a shot potentially you know, rather than one guy's back. Now we got two shooters. Right, right, right. And the odds of us getting the bowl are probably going to be a lot better. So we call, take off running up this hillside. And, you know, of course, now you're setting yourself up. You better be in halfway decent shape because now you got to get a shot off. Like after you've just, you know, ran your heart and your heart's <laughs> pumping. And so, and that's why we do those uh, trained to hunt events for that specific scenario. Exactly. Elevated heart rate and got to got to rip off a quality shot exactly and so we run up this hill and we get up there about 70 yards i'd say and i'm on one side of this big fir tree and he's on the uphill side and the bull was coming over and so i'm on the downhill side and this bull comes over the ridge and he's just screaming and i'm you know i'm thinking okay like i'm range a tree and this tree i range is 47 and i'm thinking you know he's coming down in front of the tree so he's less than that at some point well he stops behind this big fir 
and he's just broadside, just screaming, and I can see him. And I look over at my buddy, and he's not drawing his bow. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, I'm thinking, like, dude, you need to be shooting right now. You know, like, that thing's got to be in the wide open for you. Right. I don't know what happened. <clears throat> like, he's never killed a bull, in, in like, with his bow. And so, you know, it's like he's new to the whole thing. And mm-hmm. so it was kind of one of those things like, I can understand. Like, we all, like, didn't maybe know... I know as a new hunter, it's easy to freeze up. Like, yeah. I don't know when I should draw. If I draw, is he going to see me? Exactly. I'm just not going to draw. Exactly. Yeah. And so I don't know, like, at what point, if any of that <laughs> happened or not, you know, like, I never really asked him about it. You know, it was just Now, kinda, was that bull in the open for him, too? Like, I, from where he was? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure. He, he said no, but, yeah. you know, it's kind of one of those things. Like, I look back down there, there might have been a shot. And so, you know, it was... Well, based on where it was, I mean, it, we, there's like, it's in timber, but there's like six trees instead of 600 in, oh, most, yeah. in most of that country. Yeah. So, I mean, there definitely should have been some openings, but so then the bull goes behind the, another tree. Well, he's kind of angling down towards me, quartered to me just a little, but, uh, of course now I draw back cause he looks like he's, there's an elk trail up there, but I didn't know it. And it is, they do, they kind of go down the top of the ridges Well, he hits that. And he starts down and it was kind of one of those things I'm like, oh, dude, perfect. You know, so I draw back Well, he stops behind a tree as it happens every time. And then he rips off a bugle and now I'm at full draw and I'm looking and I've got like a dead kind of vine maple looking tree kind of right in front of me at like five yards. And I've got like about a 10 inch to a foot like circle through this vine maple. And then if he clears that, because it was kind of broke off. If he clears it, now I've got 30 yards of wide open, <clears throat> but I've got like a, like a 10 inch, 12 inch circle right here in front of me. And I'm like, if I can shoot through that, if he stops, but the odds of me stopping him there are probably not going to happen. Well, so now I'm at full draw and my buddy, now he has a shot. And so like he looked over at me, but he seen me at full draw. And so he said he didn't want to draw cause he didn't want to screw it up for me. But you know, I don't know what, what happened, but, uh, so I'm sitting here, sitting here, sitting here. And I, I don't know how long, at least over a minute, like a minute, a little over. And it was getting to the point where my arms were starting to shake. And I was like, dude, I don't know. I might have to let down pretty soon, you know? Yeah. And so then he just steps forward and it was one of those things all the stars aligned, you know, as you hear, like sometimes when we're hunting, like everything's got to go right, you know, and he just stopped right in that hole and it was like perfect. And I mean, it happened kind of so quick at that point when he moved forward, but he stopped to bugle and it was 30 yards and I just, I smoked him Well, he turns around and runs and he ran back like they do where they came from, runs like 15 yards and just fell over. Huh? I've never had Perfect. one yeah, die that fast ever. And it was kind of like the coolest thing because we both saw it, but it was kind of like you're in disbelief because he literally just turned and, you know, wasn't running, but like kind of that fast trot, you know, that they do like getting out of there mm-hmm. and he just plopped over huh. and it was like, all right. Well, at the same time, then he's now he's down and we still got bulls bugling and I'm like asking my buddy, I'm like, dude, like there's one two, 300 yards right below us. Let's go kill that thing. You know? And that was the big one that we had got on the other day. 
And you know how that goes. It was like, dude, we got one down. It's like 80 something degrees. Oh yeah. You know, we should probably get this taken care of. You know, he's down. He didn't mm-hmm. run away and you don't yeah. have an hour to play with. Yeah. And so we, of course, at that point, we should have went and tried to kill that other one. But at the same time, it was like, we need to be smart here and take care of this elk and get it out. So we got it all quartered up and packed up to this trail. And then we had a couple mile hike out on the trail, but you know, two guys, two trips, like shuttling up meat and then come back down and shuttle the next batch up and then we took a load out and then came back in for the next load but at least we had the climb out of the canyon done you know and uh anyways so that was <laughs> that and then we <clears throat> went and killed yeah yeah then i was i was after that when i came up hit some of that country hit some different country and, and got my bowl um i think so then you you had <clears throat> i think i remember you talking about <clears throat> Your dad drew a oh yeah moose tag, right? Yep, for Washington. Yep, yep. Yeah, I remember you were pretty excited about that. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty cool. So my dad, though, uh, th- this guy, he's been on a roll. So it's three years. So he drew a cow moose tag two years ago. Then last year, draws a quality bull tag down in the Blue yeah, Mountains, yeah. and then this year he draws the best moose tag in our state. You gotta be kidding me! And I'm just wow. like, dude, but. To, to preface that he's 70 years old now he put in for moose for 40 years in washington before he drew a bull tag wow he was at the very first moose drawing that ever happened in our state where they actually pulled the name out of a bucket of, on paper <laughs> and so like my dad's been around a while you know yeah and uh he was he, he deserved yeah, this draw he right yeah here. he's he's been like <clears throat> putting in forever he deserved it and so like max points you know like he's sure he's been after it so he draws this moose tag and of course you know holy cow i can't believe you know i i drew the moose tag you know and so yeah. it was that was really kind of a cool thing because you know i got to do the goat hunt but sure. now i got to go to chance to do something go help him on a he moose wanted hunt. to do yeah and so that was a really cool thing that you know i was looking forward to doing this year so i literally came home from my elk hunt and turned around next day washed some clothes dropped the elk off and was yeah, I remember you boogied out very quickly. Yeah. And uh went after that. Yeah. And I was supposed to be going with Phelps and Nick over to uh um Montana mm-hmm. to hunt with the land of the free with born and raised. Right, right. And it was kind of one of those things that I was just like, dude, I don't know if this is in the cards, you know. Well granted I'd killed my bull, but I was hoping to go back and at least help. Them. Sure, sure. And so we get over there. Um, and my buddy that uh, John Davis from Montana, well, he used to be from here. We used to hunt elk here together a lot. And then he moved to Montana. And then so now we kind of stay in touch all the time. And he's just an elk. He's probably one of those guys that's like the most like un- or not known mm, elk killer. unheard of. Yeah. yeah, unheard of. But he kills more <clears throat> elk than like anyone I know. I mean, well, maybe besides you, but he... uh the dude kills elk. And I mean, he's got some studs. He's got two bowls here from Washington over the counter tags in a spot that's, we're not known for big bowls unless our draw no, units. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's got one that's 344 and another that's almost 360. Holy smokes. And then, you know, I mean, the dude, and he's got a handful of three thirty forty and a 360 bowl out of Montana now. And Jeez. I mean, the dude has just got a bunch of big bowls and he's not, known you know Nobody he has no social media no nothing yeah and so it's kind of cool yeah for sure and uh 
so he came over to help <clears throat> us on this moose because, you know, he's, we've been hunting together for years and it was like, Hey, let's get John over here. And he wanted to come. He had some days off. He wasn't hunting. So he came over and, uh, so then we took off and it was kind of one of those things like, dude, we don't know anything about calling in moose. Like, you know, we're, we can call in elk or deer, but you know, calling in a moose, like, I don't know. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so my dad spends all summer watching these videos on, you know, internet and he just kind of figured out what Google is a few years ago. So <laughs> he just Googles everything, you know, like, Oh, Google how to call moose, Google how to call this or that, or, you know, and so it's kind of funny to listen to him because Anytime that you bring anything up, he just tells you to use Google. Go to the Google. Yeah. Yeah. And so he won't use a phone. He doesn't have a phone, like no cell phone, no nothing. So he's just totally old school. And, uh, so refreshing. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of cool in a way, but it's kind of a pain sometimes when we try to go hunt and you're like, Hey, uh, let's meet here. And then he shows up on like his time. I'll I'll give him credit though. If you say be there at seven o'clock, he's there like six 30. Like he's, he's early, but Two years ago, uh, we were over elk, or when he drew his elk tag, we were meeting down there in, in Dayton, and uh, Charlie and I were heading over, and we were going to meet him there in town, and Charlie and I both drove separate, and then, because we were going to leave to go to Idaho to go hunt with Jason after that, and uh, my, Charlie and I get to town, dad's nowhere to be found, and we sit there, and we sit there, and we sit there, and like, hour. And like, where's dad? And all of a sudden here he comes strolling in and it's like no care in the world, but he's always early. So that made me think something was wrong, you know? So we're about to start driving back down the highway, looking for him on the side of the highway, you know? And, uh, so long story short, he finally shows up, but it was like no care in the world. And Charlie and I were sitting here like freaking out, you know, and I'm like, dad, you need to get a phone. Well, anyways, so then, uh, we we get over here on this moose thing well we got first evening first day and uh we got there before the opener went out and went up and happened we drove around a few spots we heard some a moose one moose grunt and that was kind of cool because we were like all right at least we know where one bull is at and uh so we'll go back up there in the morning and at least see if we can get a look at him and so we go up there and uh went to a spot we went to a spot and, uh, we were like, yeah, you know, let's, let's go out on this point here in the morning and do a couple grunts and see if we can get something going. Man, first spot we freaking park, walk out and dad whips out his old moose call. He bought this big, like the tube. Yeah. That thing from someone guy in Alaska that makes these moose calls and this big, yeah, tube horn. Well, I don't know what it is. And, uh, so he's sitting here and he's like, all right, I, I'm going to give this a shot. Dude. Boom bull starts grunting we're like we're in them you know (laughs) and so we take off down in this draw messed around with it for a few hours trying to get it to come in and just never it was coming closer but we just never got to look at it um so we're gonna go with like that one was you know giant because we never seen it sure so you know like how that works yeah big one got away and uh so it uh then we get out of there and we went driving down the road in uh, about another couple miles. You park on this corner, and there's kind of like a big, uh, like a, a reprod patch in this timber where they had like thinned it. And that thin timber, as you know, is like not fun walking. And so we get out and call, and this bull answers. And we're like, you got to be kidding me. We're two for two. Like, 
dude, we're, we're, we are good moose hunters now, you know? And so <laughs> we got this moose calling down to it. Yeah. Art. And so we're, we're like, we're good. And so all of a sudden then this moose, he's working his way and he comes up through the timber and he's sitting here and pretty quick. Well, it took us forever to f- like find him. And I think our problem was, is we were like looking at his knees because, you know, it's like, you're looking down through there and you don't realize how big they are. And so we're looking down through the trees and it's like, oh, oh you know, there he is. And you see horns and then realize, wow, that thing's way bigger. Yeah. Well then the whole, okay, how far is he? You know, cause we're thinking, you know, my, so my dad's trying to bow hunt this. And so we're thinking like, dude, you know, we got this and, uh, we're looking at him. Well, then we realize, ah, that's not really what we want to shoot, you know? And in my mind, like I'm thinking first day, like, uh, you don't want to shoot that you know the best moose tag and i had i had some intel from some other guys and some moose running around that you know washington's not known you know for 70 inch moose like the yukon but we do have some pretty big shyrus sure and so we had some good intel and it was kind of one of those things that all right don't don't shoot that thing you know you don't want to be killing that well of course my dad i just want to kill a moose with my bow (coughs) so my buddy john you know well, would you kill it? Yeah, I would kill it. Okay. Well, it's dad's choice. You know, I'll let my, I'll let him kill whatever he wants to kill. I'm not going to argue it. And, uh, so we go down and start down through the timber. Well, we thought it was like, we didn't range it, but we were thinking, you know, like 80 yards. And then we went back to the old, how big the moose is. Cause we kept walking and then we're going over like blowdowns a little bit and like that thin timber. Yeah. And pretty quick. We're like, dude, range in the truck. And it's like 167 yards. And I was like, there's no way he was that far down here. Well, he was. And they're just that big. Like, you know, you're used to looking at a deer and like, you know. And so he was down in there. Well, we got down in on him and I don't know what happened. He just eventually didn't, you know, he had walked off and didn't want us and like what we had to say at that point. So we actually went down through the woods. My buddy John had a, or my dad sees, watches too much TV, sees Jim Shockey carrying a, one of those boat oars yeah. as a, as a horn. Sure. And so my dad got this boat oar. So John's going down through there, waving this boat oar. My dad's got his call on his bow and I'm filming the whole thing and taking pictures and we're marching down through there. Dude, we probably look like the biggest circus going down <laughs> through the woods, but you know, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, anyways, so we leave, get back up to the truck, go drive around a little more, and, uh, didn't, we went and hiked out a couple spots, seen some big moose tracks. And so we knew there was some around and came around in one corner actually. And a guy had flew off the road on his, uh, ATV and came up the road. One of those at like coming up the gravel road at, you know, 50 miles an hour type deals. Didn't realize the corner and he went straight off this bank Ooh. and down there and he was down over the hill, like 40 yards and all screwed up and, Anyways, so we helped him get the quad out, but that's, that was our good deed. So we felt like after that, like, hey, like karma's on our yeah, side. Karma's right? on our side. Sure. So we go down and we left and went over to a completely new area in the unit. And we start up this road just to go check out some new ground from some stuff my dad had heard from some guys that had the tag in the past. And uh, we're going up the road and, you know, it's one of those things like we're in the bottom. We're trying to get clear to the top and we only have like an hour and a half, two hours of daylight. So it was like, we need to get up there. This is perfect time. I am flying up this gravel road in my truck and my dad's riding shotgun. And then my buddy John's in the back and I'm just hauling up this gravel road. And uh, all of a sudden us, dude, my dad is like the best guy. You could, 
He, he calls it cruising speed. He says that he doesn't see anything until we're at cruising speed. And then once we are, like, he'll spot animals. And I swear, like, once we get above 35 miles an hour, we could be going along through the timber, and he'll look off, and, like, there's elk, oh, there's a deer, oh, like... But it takes 35 miles an hour. At least. That's cruising speed. So for anyone out there, like, you uh, got to get the cruising the speed yeah, before you see him. Gotcha. And so we're just flying. I don't even know how fast. I was going faster than 35. But all of a sudden, my dad, stop, 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 stop. Put it in part. You know, like, he's yelling at me, and I'm, like, thinking moose. And no, big old black bear. Oh, yeah. It's just feeding. And so <clears throat> I slam on the binders. All of a sudden, dad's piling out of the rig with his rifle, and I'm like, what is going on here? You know, I'm like, dude, we're moose hunting. Like, you know, well, he takes off running back down the road and runs up into the timber, and there's, like, this big, like, clear cut. Boom, like, shoots this bear, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? You know, I'm like, we're bear hunting now, you know? And so shoots this bear. He's an opportunist. Yeah. That's his thing, you know? And so, I mean, I'll give him credit. Like he went after it and killed it, you know? And John yeah. and I are just sitting down like glassing this bear up there and like whatever. And so shoots it and rolls it. Well, anyways, so then of course now we got to pack a bear. So we go up and get this bear and drag it down through this clear cut and over some trees and like down through the timber and get it back to the road and whatever. And anyways, take a few pictures, throw it in the truck. Got it, throw it in the truck, boom, we're on our way. So now I'm like, dude, now we're really trying to get up top. And it was kind of one of those things, like, maybe we should have just, like, stopped and, you know, went back to camp and called it a day. Well, we still, I mean, even though we still had, like, an hour and a half, uh, you know, ish or less of daylight, but it is what it is. So I'm flying at this road. We get up towards the top, get out, call, and it was one of those that, like, kind of started getting kind of windy. And so we couldn't really hear much. And, uh, anyways, so we're going along, going along and, uh, get up in this like bench and my, there's a road that took off. And my dad had said that, um, some guys that he knew had killed moose out this road. And it was kind of like, all right, this is where we want to be. So of course now we're here. Let's, we got a few minutes, like 30 minutes of daylight, you know, and it was like, let's go check it out. Right. So here we are. And, uh. Dude, we didn't go anywhere. Freaking look, and there's a moose just like right in the middle of like this cat road. Like this, like just kind of nasty, like growing one of those that's kind of grown, you know, and like whatever. Big old bull moose. And I was just like, what is going on? I'm like, you got to be kidding me, you know? And so, of course, dad's like, you know, his thing, we're looking at it and he's looking at us. And I'm like, dude, I, Hey, this is your tag. Like, I'm not telling you what to do, you know? <laughs> and so it was kind of one of those things like, but the cool thing was like this moose just looked crazy. Like it's looking at us and it's got three like triple brows on each side, but the one side just looked like kind of non-typical looking like it was weird. Like usually the moose kind of have their paddles and then their fronts, but like they kind of just are webbed in the front with like you know points that are four to six inches long well this one like stuck out there in these points and they look like they're freaking 12 inches long on a 20 inch point and so it was like you got 20 plus another big point coming off of it you know and it was like dude that looks real big you know and yeah. so it was kind of one of those i don't know but his paddles weren't like fully filled out like a normal like big like a paddle they were i mean they're they're paddles, but they're, it just wasn't like a huge, big paddle. 
but it was kind of one of those things like his fronts were so unique that it was like, dude, I don't know if I'd let that go if it was my tag, you know? And so about as quick as we said that, you know, it's like dad, boom, you know, and shoots this thing and <laughs> drops it. And, uh, so it was kind of like, well, this went way too fast, you know, but it was kind of one of those things that, Hey, our karma came back from helping those guys. Sure. You know? And so, I mean, it's a 40 inch moose, which isn't a giant, but I mean, for Washington, I mean, that's, that's good for Washington. Yeah. For pretty, Cyrus. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good moose. And so we walk up there Well, my dad, you know, we had all been talking and like our visions of packing this thing. We were like, dude, we're going to shoot one down in a hole. We're going to have such a hard time packing this moose out of the woods. Like this is going to be just a nightmare. So he goes, boys, let me tell you, he's like, this is how we do it. He's like, us old guys, see, we're smart and we shoot them in the road. And I mean, I say road, but like, you know, old grade. Yeah. And he's like, we shoot them. So that way the packing's easy. He's like, it's flat ground and you know, it's not extremely far. And he's like, so now you guys just take this moose and just, you know, get it to the truck for me. And <laughs> that so it's pretty smart with a moose. Yeah. And so, you know, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, dad's like, Hey, you know, I got this down and you guys are yeah. you know, good to go. And so then, when then he's joking around, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, 70. I just save all my action for one day. He's like, I show you how to get down. No I shoot kidding. a bear and a moose and two critters. Yeah. We're good to go. <clears throat> and so it Man, was, that's perfect. Really. I mean, I've always wondered, you know, how, where's, where is that line that you're going to draw away from a road on a moose? You know, I've never hunted them. So, yeah, you, you know, being an elk guy, deer guy, we don't typically draw lines. Right. But with a moose, you kind of have to. Yeah. Right? And so everybody that we talked to over there, everyone, any that's killed moose or everyone, uh, they were telling us, just drive the roads. You'll kill one in the road. Right. And it's like, well, Yeah. But I'll say you can't see off the roads over there. Like there's very few places you can see. There's a few like older clear cuts, Mm -hmm. but there's very few places that you can literally see off the road. It is that thick, older, nasty brush that's like, you know, 10 to 15 feet tall and the trees are so thick you can't see. That's, yeah, that's that terrain that moose love too. Yeah. yeah. Lots of them out there. Yeah. And th- there's a lot of moose, but it's like, <clears throat> yeah. dude, you can't see them. So consequently, I would say most of the moose probably end up getting shot. Right. In the road. Which is, you know, that's a good thing. Really. Yeah. I mean, geez, uh, two young guys. Yeah. Probably could have got it out for, you yeah. know, put you guys through some some bad times, but man, I bet you were pretty thankful. Oh, I was dropping them in the road. Yeah, like it that. was. It was kind of one of those Semi-road. things. Road. Yeah, it was like, all right, like thank you, you yeah. know, like because I had just gotten unpacking an elk out, you know, yeah, day and a half prior, and I was just like, dude, now I'm packing a moose. <clears throat> oh man, I, my dad drew Idaho years ago, and same thing. He killed his bull, um, you know, where we could get motorcycles. We got uh, those DR two hundreds. Oh yeah. So you can get a motorcycle on a trail. Um, we got it within a hundred yards of the trail, Perfect. or of you know that's where he dropped the moose yeah. within that trail. So yeah, all we had to do was pack the meat over to the bike and take the bike, you know, twelve miles or something. But that was a blessing. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, that was hard enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and getting them, you know, five miles off of a trail, no way, wouldn't want to do it. No, and that's the thing. I mean, I like I thought about myself you know i'm like dude if i draw over there yeah um, once you see one down and you realize how big they are yeah 
Oh, it's intimidating. It is. And yeah. that's kind of my thing. I'm like, eh, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I don't know. Like before I was thinking I'd pick some trails out and I was like, let's just backpack out there, right. you know, and we'll just backpack on that ridge and we'll probably be able to see, and then we'll probably kill one in that hole. Yeah. But now I have like a whole nother like <laughs> outlook on this and yeah, I'm like, dude, sure. I'm going to camp in that road and just hope that moose one crosses. Moose are different. Yeah. Moose are different. Yeah. It's funny when my dad killed his bull, we were, uh, well, that was Idaho, so wolf country, big time wolf country. And, um, you know, he killed it late in the day and I wasn't there. I had to drive to get to him to help him break it down. So what he did, cause he was worried about the wolves, oh, yeah. you know, chewing on that thing all night. Yep. Well, he's funny. He packs around a little, uh, tiny little radio. Mm-hmm. So when he gets bored, he'll like listen to news. Sure. <laughs> usually. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's what old guys do. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and what he did is he put his radio in a Ziploc, um, cause it was just miserable conditions. And he put that radio right on top of the cavity of the moose. And he played, I think he said he played Christian country music was going. Perfect. It's the first station he found. He <laughs> blared that thing as loud as he could. And oh, that's funny. who knows if the, if the uh, wolves didn't come into that, but there were no wolves on it that next morning. So, huh. Pretty ingenious, I thought. That's a good idea. I, mean, I remember that. <laughs> kill got a pack of radio, but... Yeah, kill an elk or something in, in yeah. the country and do that. Yeah. If you had to get out. It worked. It's a good idea. So... Well, cool. Yeah, yeah. man. You got stories for days. Yeah. Holy smokes. I mean, it's such been such a great year. Yeah. Um, You know, we could probably go on for another hour. I think we're two hours in. Are but, we? dude, Dang. you got... You know, I think what a lot of people know you for is giant whitetail. Yeah. We didn't even got to your giant whitetail yet. I know. And you uh, you killed a bruiser this year. Um, seems to be something you do every year. Yeah, the whitetail thing is... that figured out? Kind of my deal. Like, yeah. you know, I, I love hunting elk, I, you know, everything else, a goat, that was cool, a bear. But it's yeah. like, when it comes to whitetails, you know, I would love to go hunt mule deer. And spend some time out of state other places. But the problem is, is I just can't. It's like, I dedicate my November to... So is that, that's your number one? Yeah. If you had to pick one hunt out of the year, it'd be November, late season whitetail. Yeah, whitetail, for sure. And so that's the thing. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I spend a lot of time like i'm over there in october scouting looking around and if you know i've been doing it for 14 years now and so it's kind of one of those things that i've spent enough time that i have several spots that Mm -hmm. are like my go-to's that i know i can go and kill a buck and you know or get a buck on camera right and so whether i kill him or not that's another story but i feel like i can go in and find a deer and I think you said, uh, what do you, how many cameras do you put out preseason? Well, it depends. Usually we run about seven and then depending on what we're doing, maybe a few more here and there. And so, right, right, right. you know, I mean. So you've got a good game plan. You know where some of the, you know, your number one, number two, your shooter bucks are yeah, preseason. Exactly. You're not just going in and sitting blind. You got, yeah, you got your areas picked out. I've got them picked out, you know, and I've spent a lot of time with my dad too, you know, hiking ridges and canyons and, you know, looking for, you know, bucks and sign and we'll look for some, you know, scrapes and then, you know, uh, rub lines and that type of thing. And so, I mean, there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, you know, as far as like trying to find a bigger buck, you know, sure. You could probably go over and shoot a one and a half, two and a half year old buck pretty easy. But it's like, when it comes to those mature bucks that are, you know, four and a half plus trying to find some of those in like their bedroom. Mm -hmm. That's the key is you got to get in where those bucks live. And, and still, even though you know it, 
uh, I think what do you, how many hours do you typically spend in the stand every year? It depends anywhere between probably 50 and 80 hours in a tree. Right. And then, so like two years ago, I spent 121 hours in the tree (laughs) before I killed one. And so, Uh, I mean, 13 days, you know, and so, and that's the thing is like, I get in an hour before daylight and I hike in, get my tree and I sit until dark. It's a 10 and a half hour day and I don't get out of the tree. I take a like 40, uh, I think I have like a 46 or eight ounce Nalgene and I take that to pee in, in the tree, Yeah, but I don't get out. I yeah. just sit there and do, I, you know, it's like, you got to stay all day. And those big bucks during the rut, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things. Like it seems like the best activity is between 10 and two and midday. Yeah. So do you have cell service I where don't. you're at? No. So what are you doing in that tree? You're con- you're just scanning the horizon. Yeah, just looking the whole time. Yeah, just Man, looking, and it's hard tough. sometimes not to fall asleep. No cell service, can't watch YouTube videos or anything like yeah. that. You know, so or talk to anyone. So it's kind of it's a long day. A book, anything? Yeah. yeah uh, well, that's see. So some guys I know they they take a book and they'll read a book. Sure. My thing is is like I want to be ready. And so it's yeah. like, dude, and one of the things I really got into the last couple of years here is self filming. Okay. And so like I depending this year. Uh, it was the first year I've ever sat in a ground blind, but the previous years I have a muddy camera or muddy outdoors. They make a camera arm and I have it attached to the tree. And so I've really got into that and like filming everything. And mm-hmm. so that keeps me pretty occupied because I'm filming. And you're getting other critters coming through yeah. and smaller bucks. Smaller you know, it's bucks. not just like, you know, 120 hours before a buck comes through. And yeah, you kill no. It. I mean, you're generally seeing, you know, a few does or fawn or like smaller bucks, that type of thing, squirrels and, you know, right. whatever else. And so like, you're kind of occupied, but the thing for me is it's like, yeah, it's a long day and it can test your patience sometimes. And I've had days, well, this year was actually kind of the worst, but, uh, I've had days where I've never seen a deer and, that's the hard one is when you haven't seen a deer and you're thinking, man, I got to go out and do another 10 hours tomorrow. It'd be hard to get up the next day and go do that. Yeah. Again. And like climb back in the same stand. Yeah. And so yeah. the thing is with like a lot of guys like back in the Midwest and that type of thing, uh, you know, don't hunt your same stand two days in a row or three days in a row because the deer, the scent, they'll smell you. You know, mm. my philosophy is a little different mainly because we hunt mountains. We're not hunting, you know, uh, cornfields and that type of thing where the wind, the wind here is always screwed up. I don't care, you know, what it is. And so it it could be a nice day, but the wind is going all over. It's just a little breeze, but it's blowing north, south, east, west, who knows. And these mountain bucks, uh, they don't hang out in the same spot. They kind of, they're traveling around between draws looking for does. Mm Mm-hmm. The one thing you do run into is if he gets on a hot dough and gets in lockdown, like you might not see him and you're just sitting there waiting. And that is when things can get real boring real fast. Sure. But it just depends. Like if you want to kill that deer and that's the only deer, like, you know, and I've done that the last few years, I've found a buck and they like, that is the buck I'm killing and I'll hunt that deer. And it's like, if I don't, you know, get him, I'm eating my tag. And like, I've like set myself up for that. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how it is. And, and that's what it takes. I mean, it really does. And that's with everything, not yeah. just whitetail, but yeah. Yeah. Being willing to eat your tag and, and just sacrifice, put in all those hours and time and know it's going to take longer than you probably like. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. And you know, my biggest buck back in 2013 was kind of what started all that. And mm-hmm. it was like that deer I had on camera and I had him on camera for like 18 straight days. And like I had found his bedroom. And so it was like, he was living there and he'd wander off, you know, and go check those, but he was back and he would live there. And that was his spot. And I knew I was just like, 
it's a matter of time. Sure. I'm killing this buck. And so, and my big thing is storms. So a lot of guys, you know, it's like they go over and the big snowstorms coming in. They don't, they're like, ah, yeah, typically animals don't move in the storms. I don't know what it is about those big mature whitetails, but it's like, dude, if a storm's coming, a big snowstorm and say it's been cold, you know, because uh, most of the time when I'm over there, it's in the twenties or low thirties and I'm sitting in the tree all day in that, you know? And so it's like, it's a long day and it's cold. And, uh, but those big bucks, if you can get a snowstorm to roll in, he will more than likely be out that day. If he hasn't been You're out. You're talking like right before the storm. That or, or during, or, during or after. Like, yeah. but, but uh, my best, it's like just, so my biggest one in 2013, uh, it had been dry. And it was like, you know, not rain, but like little like flurries here and there for a few days of snow. But just, uh, I'm talking like trace and like nothing to even amount on the ground, just barely enough to on a leaf here and there, there's little snow, you know? Right. And, uh, so I sat in the stand for five days straight and on the sixth day, a storm was supposed to roll in. Well, that day about noon, it started snowing and it started dumping pretty good and the temperature started dropping. And even more. And I was like, this is it. And that day, I think was the most deer I've ever seen. I think I've seen like 13 deer that day total. <laughs> and I had a, like, so I had, there's, it's a really kind of unique spot. I mean, I haven't found another one like it ever since. Uh, but it's kind of this, it's a bench in the, in some big timber. And then a hill runs up and there's a big canyon and a big draw and the hill runs up probably in the canyon about a mile and a half. So it's got a lot of country behind it. But this kind of flat down in there. And I think the deer come down in on that flat right there and rut. And when we first found it, there was just two scrapes that were like four to five feet circles and right within about 40 yards of one another. (laughs) And I was like, that looks pretty good. And so it's kind of one of those things like, you know, we threw a couple cameras out and boom, we had started having bucks showing up and it was like, all right, there's some good bucks running around here. Let's throw a stand up. Well, once we did that and then uh, there was rubs all over the place too. And so it was kind of one of those things that we knew bucks were hanging out and it must be a rutting area. Right. And so like these does come down in there and they hang out in this flat and the bucks come down in and like chase them around in this flat. And I say flat, it's probably like 150 yard, like kind of out and maybe a hundred yards wide. So it's not huge, but it's in the timber and it's just a big flat in the timber, a big bench. And then the hill, canyon drops off bales and pretty steep and it keeps going down for another couple miles and so it's just like this spot that's like unique you know and these deer like come down on this bench and like chase each other around on this bench and then they go back up on the hills in bed but it's like they rut Hmm. on that bench and it's kind of one of those things i mean we've spent it took us like eight years to even find that spot so i mean like (laughs) we spent a lot of years over there before we found that yeah so it's not like we just went over and found that spot sure And, uh, so anyways, that kind of sucked, but once we found it, it was like, okay, like we're good to go. And so that big buck though, I had like five or six bucks running around and a bunch of does and they were chasing each other all around in this snowstorm. And I was like, maybe my big dude will be out. And so I was just kind of like one of those things that we'd spent so much time that, you know, um, he's going to make an appearance. Right. And so I kept sitting there and kept sitting there and. Well, anyways, as the snow's fallen, I just thought to myself, there's got to be a trigger that we're missing all these other years that I'm not picking up on and that gets these big bucks out of their bed. And all of a sudden I like looked up 
and it was like three thirty, and I see the this deer, and he's about eighty yards. And I got my binoculars and threw him up, and I see his head tick back, and he was like licking a branch, like a licking branch. Sure. And I see these big tines, and I was like, "That's <clears throat> him." And I just it was like one of those things, like this is happening, you know. Well, then he comes out, and all the other deer just like scatter. I mean, they're running everywhere, and because well, the bucks because like he's the dominant buck. Yeah, he's there. Yeah. And so I grab my bow and I wasn't filming at this time and I'm ready. Well, he walks by at like 35 yards and I'm like, man, should I shoot right there? And it was kind of one of those things like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I should shoot, you know, it just, and I'll be honest, I got buck fever and just froze up. And it's like, I talked to my buddy on the elk situation. Sure. Reason. I think I did that on that guy. Cause I didn't even draw my bow. And so then he runs over and chases a doe and he's up on this hill and he's flying up through the trees. Well, I only got until about four thirty, And then, so I got like an hour and like, if he doesn't come back, you know, I'm done. Well, then he goes over and starts making a rub after he comes back from her, made a rub, went and checked a scrape. And now he's circling his way in towards my stand and I'm sitting by like this big scrape. And so he's checking all these and I'm thinking, dude, he's going to walk over to this big one. Like I got him. <laughs> and so he starts making a rub and made another rub and then came in, hit the scrape. And then he walks in the one right next to my tree and he's 15 yards. Oh, he's And I'm like dead. Like I got him. So I go to draw my bow and I can't draw my bow. Like I am cold and I'm, so I'm like froze up from being cold. My muscles don't want to work. And then buck fever. And so I can't draw my bow. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And so. So were you shaking? Oh, yeah. It was that. Everything. Yeah. And so I'm like freaking out. And uh, I try to draw my bow back. And like again, and I can't. Well, he hears me. And he kind of like like spooked and like his feet kind of went out like he was going to run. But he just stopped. But now he's on full alert. Well, he looks away from me looking towards the hill. And I don't know why. Don't know what. But like something and he should have been looking up at me but i don't think he realized where the sound came from so i did the old point to the sky and just <laughs> whatever it takes yeah, whatever it get takes this thing pulled back yeah, and just rip my bow back and i just swung down like as fast as i could right on him because i knew he, he he would hear that yeah and he did and i just swung down right on him and as soon as my 20 pin hit him it was like mid-body because you're shooting out of the tree so it's kind of like you got to think about that angle. steep angle yeah, yeah. and uh my stands are up there a ways anyways. I put them at 25 feet. So, I mean, they're up there. Most guys only go like 17 to 20. So, I mean, mine are up a little high. But anyways, so this buck, I I don't even really remember my pin settling. It was just like it crossed it. him and I just and pulled. I pulled it, and, you know, and let it go. Yep. Well, then he ran like 40 yards and died. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me, you know. And so, after that, it kind of, that's when the addiction really kind of started. Yeah. You know? What year was that? 2013. 13. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I'd killed a couple before that. Well, I've killed, I don't know, probably five or six before him, but nothing like big like yeah. him. And then yeah. it was kind of like, once I got him, then like it really kicked in, you know, the addiction. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so then I started spending more time and started <clears throat> scouting more, scouting some new areas and then hoping that he had spread some of his genetics. Well, it just, it's like, that spot for whatever reason, it was good. And I, it was like the one spot I can go to throw cameras out and I'd have a big buck there every year or two or three and like shooters and multiple little bucks. And, you know, so it was kind of like my go-to. And so the next year I drew a mule deer tag here in Washington 
didn't get a hunt. And then in 2015, I uh, went back to that same spot. Well, my dad had hunted that, my tree. He went and hunted my tree when I have a mule deer tech. Oh, yeah. How'd he do? uh, Well, so yeah, he actually shot a pretty good buck. And one of our ones that, you know, I was hoping would grow up and it grew up, but I was hoping to give it another year, but he didn't care. And uh, so anyways, it was still a big mature deer. And uh, so anyways, we had that. And then 15, I went back to the same tree. And I had like four bucks there that were all just big shooters. And, uh, anyways, and that was the year I ended up spending 121 hours in the tree before I killed one. And that kind of gave me a new perspective of, man, I need some patience. Like this is, if this is what it's going to take to kill a big buck, like maybe, yeah. maybe I got lucky on six days, but if I want to have to wait like 13 days, 13, Oof. Uh, every year, <clears throat> like this, is this, this could get old. And, uh, Anyways, but I did it. But I think you quickly figured out that's what it takes. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, realistically, Washington isn't known for, I mean, we got some great whitetail. Yeah. Um, in certain parts of the state. I mean, we got some great whitetail. <clears throat> but it's not like, uh, you know, I think more guys, especially over here, nobody really thinks about giant whitetail in Washington. No. You know, they kill some, but, um, you know, around the Palouse, but not the big giant mountain whitetail. Yeah. Like not out of, not out of cornfields, not out of ag fields. It's just in the mountains. In the mountains. Yep. And that's where they live. And, you know, I mean, there's some, definitely some good bucks, you know, and, yeah. and that's kind of the thing. It's, it's just, there's some other guys, you know, Dan Staten. Dan Staten kills, you know, nice mountain he kills every yeah, year. some real nice ones every year. And, yep. you know, and so he's one guy that I kind of always looked at before, mm-hmm. you know, cause he was killing them and I was like, dude, I want to, you know, I want to get like him and kill him, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, so that was kind of one of my things. There's some other guys that I know that are consistent, you know, killers. And they, I mean, they're always killing some big bucks. And so it took me a while to figure out what exactly they were doing or looking for. I think was the big thing is like what some of those guys are looking for. Mm-hmm. And once I found what I needed to find, you know, to like, this is a good spot, like that one stand, then I, it made it easier to go find some other spots. More places. Yeah. yeah Cause sure. I knew what I was after. Yep. And, uh, now I've kind of got that in, but this year I had a buck last year. I called him the web buck and, uh, he was two and a half years old, but he was already like 135, 140 inch deer, two and a half. Oh, and, he, and I was like, dude, <clears throat> this year I was like, if he comes back at three and a half, he could be, he just had those genetics that this guy's going to be like a 200 inch deer. And, uh, I was like, if he comes back, he's going to be hard not to shoot, but he's only going to be three and a half. And I don't know if I want to kill him. Well, anyway, so I go back to my favorite tree, set up my cameras, dude, nothing. Just two little dink bucks is all I had. And like, well, we put the cameras out in the end of October and then November 27th, we came home and there was two dingers. And I was like, Wow. Like what happened? That's when you start thinking wolves. Yeah. And that was weather, weather, something killing. Yeah. And you know, there was some cats running around, but we heard some wolves howl this year and it was kind of one of those things like, all right, maybe they've made their way here. Yeah. And now we're in trouble. And so I don't know, you know, and the weather was kind of weird this year. It snowed early and then started warming up. 
And I think that we had a weird thing happen this year. Like usually the the later the season goes, the more deer and more bucks you see on your cameras. And it was reversed this year. And colder started early, faded to warm. And then it faded to warm. And it was 57 degrees one day when my dad went and got in the stand. And that doesn't cut it. No. I mean, like for whitetail, you need cold weather. Yeah. And so it, it, all of our deer literally vanished off the cameras. It just sucked. But this year, I mean, I only hunted a day and a half. I mean, I hunted one full day, got completely soaked. I've never been wet in the tree before ever. And this year I got in the tree, it was melting snow, soaked through four layers of clothes by midday. <laughs> and I sat there until dark, but it was probably the dumbest thing I've ever done because I was literally shaking like it was cold. And then got out of the tree. And the next day my dad goes, why don't you go sit in the ground blind? Because we have two ground blinds. My sister started hunting with us a few years ago and she doesn't like climbing a tree. So she wanted to sit in the ground blind. I'm like, nah, not my thing. I was like, oh, no, uh, no, not in the the ground blind, you know, and just I've fought them ever since my dad started using them. And I was like, I'll go sit in the tree while it was supposed to rain. And I was like, man, I really don't want to get wet. And so it was kind of one of those things. And so I had a buck on that camera that I wanted to hunt. And we called him the bladed buck because he just has like this huge bladed brow tine. And I actually have pictures of his dad from some years past. And uh, he's identical. So it's kind of cool to see the genes passed down because right. I mean, this dude looks just like his dad did like five years ago. And so it's kind of cool to see that the genetics pass through to different deer and uh, being able to watch them grow. Well, I wanted to shoot this buck and three days before season, he vanished. Never seen him again. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if something got him or if he just decided like during the rut, if he went and found a hot doe somewhere and then ended up chasing another hot doe and he's who knows where, sure, you know, so I don't know where that buck went and he's gone. And so it kind of bummed me out. And I had another buck at this ground blind that we'd had on camera for like one night for like an hour and like passing through and then pass back through and like gone. And then five days went by and then he showed up again and then he left. And then he was back for like another hour or two passing. Just I think it was outside of his core area, but he was just checking to see if does right, were right. around. And then uh, he left for like three, four more days. Well, then season opened and we started hunting and he wasn't anywhere around, you know. And so we literally had no shooters at that blind either. Well, my sister and dad are sitting in the other blind together because my dad's just helping my sister because she's new to hunting. And... uh so I'm like, dude, I don't want to go sit in this blind. Like, I'm going to waste a day of hunting. You know, I need to go back to the tree where at least a buck is, you know. And I had one buck that I wanted to hunt. And uh, anyways, well then, you know, it was like, dude, I don't want to get wet. But that buck's not there. And I really don't want to shoot that buck because I have a buddy who has a stand up the canyon a ways. And he had that buck on camera. Oh yeah. And I was like, dude, I'm like, I don't want to shoot Matt's buck, you know, cause that's what he's after, you know? And so I was like, well, you know what? I'll just go sit in the blind. I'm not going to see that buck anyway. So I don't have to worry about Matt. I don't have nothing like we're good to go. And I'll just, maybe something else will come strolling through or maybe my bladed buck will show back up. Right. You know, who knows? And uh, so I get in the blind, sit there, had a doe and a fawn come through and they left and another doe and a fawn, probably the same one came back in and they left then all of a sudden, it's about 11 o'clock, and I see this doe go streaking down through the timber down this hill and behind the, like, out behind me. And I'm like, huh, 
it's kind of weird. I'm like, she's moving kind of fast. I was like, usually you don't move that quick unless there's a buck nearby. So I got my camera turned on and started filming and everything, you know, and I'm watching her and then she goes out of sight. So I shut it off and I was like, she must be by herself, you know, about as quick as I thought that I hear this grunt and I was like, Oh, there's a buck. And I look up and literally as quick as all that happened, I turned the camera back on and just hit record and just set it out straight in front of me because I was like, you know, it's, it was there. (laughs) Yeah. So I grabbed my bow and look up in this bucks, just cruising right in. And it was that one that my buddy had on camera and that he just, but he hadn't been there. So he, that doe must've been getting hot and he was following that doe in. Oh, right. And so I literally just was like, well, I was like, yeah, I knew who I know, you know, well, it took me a second at first. I didn't realize it was him. Like I thought it was a different buck because he has a split uh, G4 on his left. And I didn't see that point on our trail camera. And so I thought it was a different buck because it just looked funny. I was like, dude, this guy's got way more points. And so I thought it was just a random buck showing up. Right. right. And so it threw me off. And uh, so anyways, I drew back, I shoot him and then looked at the video. And that's when I realized I was like, oh, that's that buck. And then I was like, oh, he has a split G4. And then, but it was kind of one of those things, like it all happened so fast. And, you know, you just, it was like, no question in your mind, you're going to shoot him. But it was one of those things as a whitetail hunter, you always hope for. Like as I'm sitting in there, it's like, I know pretty much I've done my homework that I know what bucks are in the area. And my stands are spread out over probably a 10 mile area, mm-hmm. maybe a little more. And, but it's mountains and draws and, you know, so, I mean, there's, a, it's a lot of country. And, uh, so, but I have a pretty good idea of what bucks are like covering that area. Sure. And so I'm always like, if a random buck shows up, he's coming from a long ways because I kind of have that whole area locked down. And my dad always, the way he always put it to me with it's elk hunting or deer hunting or whatever, hunt a small area well, rather than a big area poorly. And so we've always, I like it. We've always took that tactic into this deer thing and covered that area really good. So we know like, these bucks are here. And so it's kind of one of those things, but as a whitetail hunter during the rut, you always hope, man, maybe some giant random buck will just come strolling through and I'll kill him. The phantom buck from nowhere. The phantom. Yeah. Yeah, He's just, he's a ghost, you know? (laughs) And so the Yeti and uh, Bigfoot. And uh, so it kind of was one of those things where I thought it was a different buck. And I was like, dude, it finally happened. Like I finally got my random buck until I watched that footage. And I was like, dang it. We got him on camera. Yeah. I was like, I got a few (laughs) pictures, but I was like, that's Matt's buck. And so it was kind of one of those things, but sure. You know, I mean, it's, it's hunting, you know, it is what it is. We're on public land. Mm -hmm. And so the thing is, is between my dad and my sister and I, and then Matt, we are kind of the only ones in this area. And so it's like, there are some other guys, you know, that kind of stroll through, but they're more road hunters. Mm. And so they're just driving around looking, hoping they shoot one. And it's kind of one of those spots that it's like, I'm glad that, you know, if I had a buck and he killed it, at least you killed it. Cause I know you do your homework and mm-hmm. you put in a lot of hard work. And he was, that's what he said to me was that at least you killed it and not some random dude just driving around and got lucky. I happened to see it off the road. Yeah. Oh yeah. It. I get that for and sure. So he was like, cause I know you put in your time. So, you know, and I was like, dude, you know, if one of my bucks would have showed up at your stand, especially that bladed one, cause he had my bladed one at his stand. Oh, right. And so he, I was like, I'd expect you to kill it. You know? And he's like, 
yeah, a ton. Like, yeah, for sure. So yeah. it was cool. It's my second biggest white tail I've killed. But I mean, he's it's a tank. He's a good buck. It's and a so good buck. I can't complain. Yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen some pretty big f- bucks in photos. Yeah, from you. Yeah, <laughs> over there's the years. A, yeah, they like start thumbing back. You're like, man, dang, yeah. he's got this figured out. This yeah, white, this mountain whitetail thing. He's really got it figured out. So yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. That's my favorite thing. I mean, like I said, my, yeah. my big thing is I got to do it with my dad. Well, now you've got your goat under your belt. Yep. You know, refocus on just mountain whitetail. I know. That's my thing. What's your next, uh, um, what's the bucket list now? I, I mean, think a moose. Moose, yeah. I'd like to go kill a moose. And that's my thing. I'd like to go back up to BC maybe and hunt with those guys. And Same kill guys. Moose. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, of course, it's all money, right? That's all it is. It's yeah. just money. Yeah. If I had plenty of it, I'd be up there every year, but I don't. So <laughs> that's what keeps us from doing so many things yeah. as hunters. Well, cool, man. You got some awesome stories. I'm glad I got to hear them. Yeah. I never, I, I hear bits and pieces, you know, as we yeah. talk, but I never got to hear the, hear the full thing. So yeah. it's cool hearing how everything's worked out and, um, appreciate you coming on and, and, uh, letting other guys, hopefully everybody else picks something up out of that and yeah. take something away from it. But, um, great stories. Probably have to get you on for uh, for some more because I'm sure we could go back and talk about previous hunts and oh yeah, we could that do was a just lot. this year. Yeah, that Holy was that, smokes. That was just one year, but you know, it's got to be one of your better better years. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. Aside from probably 2008, well, 2013 when I killed my biggest whitetail, I killed my biggest bull. Oh, and yeah. that was that's in, this guy here I'm looking at. Yeah, and that was yeah. in Montana in the same spot I killed this year. Oh yeah, yeah and yeah. so. 13 was a pretty good year. I killed my biggest buck and bull, but then, uh, you know, we've got, um, a couple other, well, 2008, I killed two caribou and a bull and a buck, but you know, it's one of those things this year was kind of, I probably put in more work and like preparing and everything. And so it felt more rewarding than, right. You know, oh, that's just, that's a huge part of it too. Yeah. You know, all that prep work and time spent, um, you know, whether it's working out or eating or, shooting you know all those things uh it's just once you've done all that and and committed yourself to doing it and getting yourself right um when it all pans out at the end of the season it's kind of hard to explain but it feels so much better right yeah because you know you earned it exactly you didn't just go out and and you know it happened but you earned it you put in the time so almost uh almost like you deserved it so yeah you feel like you actually you put in all that hard work and it's not like you deserve the animals, mm-hmm. but in a way it is, it's like, dude, I've put in, and I mean, anyone that knows me could contest to that. It's like that I put in so much work, whether it be in the gym. I mean, it's like, I work all day, go to the gym for an hour and a half, come back and work till 10 or 11 at night, like sure every week. And then it's like, I'm working and I'm working out and then I'm shooting and it's like doing all the things I should be doing. So it's like, when I go hunt, I feel like I've put in my time. So, and it's, so it's just fitting that you get rewarded, you yeah. know, with something that you, uh, that's what you were going for at the end of it. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Cool, man. So, well, well, where can guys find you? Check out your stuff. I know probably, uh, yeah. folks would like to see some of those critters we just talked about. Yeah, they can, uh, my Instagram is probably my most, my most updated one, um, at John Gabrio. So J O N G A B R I O. And then, uh, a lot of my work and stuff is at apexadvertising.co just co um so if you guys are looking for any work or anything or whatnot and then i also have a link on my instagram but um perfect yeah they can go see some pictures on my instagram i got try to keep that updated and i try to just keep it mainly hunting so i'm not boring people with regular life (laughs) stuff so um that's what facebook's for yeah exactly awesome cool man well i appreciate it thanks john absolutely thank you yep 
Well, guys, hope you enjoyed that story. If you're interested in what we have coming up in the new year, please take note. Coming on Monday, we have a very interesting podcast on what you all have so many questions about, testosterone. If you want more information on our new program, The Testosterone Project, launching in January, please go to huntharvesthealth.com slash testosterone project to learn more about your mind, your muscle, your motivation, and your mojo.